0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Play Pals Toys, the official home of good guys. Play Pals will be your friend to the end. I'm busy all over with the, the steamboat, Bones. Eat your garbage, and wow, and Come at the grand life, making a sound. The smell of death is on the not when the cold wind blows. No one cares, knows. Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And this episode is all about dolls again <laughs> with our classic film 1990s Child's Play 2 and 2014's Annabelle as our modern film. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got.
1: In the Puppet Master series... Yes. How did the female doll murder her victims?
0: She vomited out leeches. Yes. So weird. Good memory. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kelsey.
1: So that was somewhat doll related.
0: It was somewhat doll related. I like that. What company manufactures the good guy's doll...
1: Can I look at my notes? Because I'm pretty sure I wrote it down.
0: Not yet. I will give you a hint.
1: I think it's like PlayPal.
0: That's exactly who it is. It's PlayPals. Uh, but yes, uh huh. <laughs> my hint was going to be that their name is also alliterative. Good job. Good call.
1: I remembered it.
0: You might not be able to get our the next one. The next one is really an obscure piece of trivia, but I love it. So uh, we'll see how you do on the second one. Okay. That leads us right into our first film, our classic movie, 1990s Child's Play 2, directed by John Lafia, written by Don Mancini, and starring Alex Vincent, Jenny Agutter, 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 Agutter. I don't know how you pronounce that. Garrett Graham, Christine Elise, and the voice of Brad Dourif. A couple of notes here Kyle, played by Christine Elise, also played recurring characters in both ER and. Beverly Hills 90210. She came back for the updated version of Beverly Hills 90210 known as BH 90210.
1: <laughs> I've n- I'd never saw her on either of those shows cuz I didn't watch those shows.
0: Director John Lafia was also a writer on the first movie which might explain why this one doesn't go as totally off the rails. As future This one still ones falls
1: do. in line with what happened in the first film. It's
0: very, very similar. It kind of feels more like a rehash of the first one in a different scenario yes. more than anything. Unfortunately, I just found out before we started recording that just over a month ago, John Lafayette died by suicide on April 29th. So that's really, really unfortunate to hear. And just a general message out there to everybody, please, please, please get help if you're struggling in any way. We love each and every one of you, and we want you to take care of yourselves. So that's a fun little segue into the actual plot of the movie. What is Child's Play 2 about?
1: So Andy's mom is now in a psychiatric unit, and Andy is now in the foster care system. And he goes to live with foster parents who already have a foster daughter. They know about his troubled past, and they think it's going to be rough. But what they don't realize is that any of his story is real. And unfortunately for them, Chucky's been brought back to life. For no good reason. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) hey... He's alive, and we all know that he has to get out of that doll's body, so after Andy, he goes.
0: Yep. Uh, It's a little bit wonky because we all know the reason he was able to die at the end of the first one is because he was turning human again, but he was still inside the doll's body, so he would feel pain and he would die like anything else. So the fact that he was burned alive, torn into pieces, shot in the head, and still managed to survive... Well, he kind of didn't. He comes back to life in this one, in a way. Yes, he's brought
1: back to life. Yeah.
0: Again, for no reason. In a way that isn't very human. So how human is he at this point? Not completely, I guess we'll say.
1: Right, but he can still be killed.
0: Yes. Uh, Now, the movie is free with a subscription on HBO Max. So if you're one of those folks that already had an HBO Go or Now subscription, or Now if you're one of the new people that hopped onto one of the Max subscriptions at the lower rate – You can watch it for free. Otherwise, it is $4 to rent on most services and anywhere from $10 to $15 to buy. With that in mind, should people watch Child's Play 2?
1: If you like the first one, go ahead and see it. It's more of that. It's
0: more of that. It's very much more of that. It has that plot line that I absolutely hate, you know, where one person knows that something's going on and they're trying to tell people the truth, but nobody believes them. I That's, like, the worst storyline in any horror movie or any type of movie ever.
1: Yes, but I think, I think the premise here is, even though it will feel like Chucky is brought back to life for no good reason, they had a reason at the first part, but then it kind of falls apart, like, two seconds later, yeah. which is the problem, but... Other than that, I actually think this is a pretty solid premise for a sequel.
0: Right? Like, it is a very good understanding of our what's next problem. You know, where a movie ends and you're like, okay, but now what? Who's Mm going to actually believe them? Yeah. One thing that they don't bring up is where the cop is. Chris Sarandon, who knows that he was real. His partner, who was attacked by him and knows that he's real. Whatever happened to them, we don't know. Apparently, in an earlier version of the script... Chris Sarandon was in the movie, but I don't know, unfortunately, the reason why he didn't make it into this one. Uh, Mm. But the idea that, yeah, the mom knows. She tries to tell people what happened, and she's labeled a loon, and she's put in an asylum, and a kid is put into the foster system. It's a very compelling sequel premise. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, if you liked the first one, watch this one. It's more of the same, although it gets a little bit more off the rails in the climax. A lot more off the rails in the climax, I would say, and then almost everyone after this is (laughs) gets nuts, especially after the third one. But anyway,
1: I wouldn't know.
0: You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1990s' Child's Play two. Sorry, Jack. Chucky's
1: back. How's it hanging, Phil? Child's play two. <laughs> Peekaboo. He's the original. He'll take your breath away. <laughs> this fall, Chucky rules. Did you miss me, Andy? I sure missed you.
0: Child's play two. Keep an eye out for it. (laughs) So, Kelsey, tell us how the movie begins.
1: Without any, like, explanation, we see the doll clearly being restored. And it's just like, but why?
0: Right. I wrote, why would you? How is that worth it to refurbish? It costs more to refurbish than just make a new one. But then we find out what during this refurbishment process.
1: We get a conversation between, I guess, the president of the company and...
0: The dude from Ali McBeal.
1: Yes, who was in quarantine. Yeah. And he is giving him a full report. He is explaining exactly what Chris just told you about the mom. Uh, she is in a psychiatric unit. The kid's in foster care. We have the doll. Just to prove to the public that it's not a fucked up doll, right?
0: Right. Well, because apparently the public perception of PlayPals and the good guys brand was really negative regardless of whether people believed their story or not it still made them look bad especially since people were starting to say some rogue worker put you know bad phrases and stuff like that into his voice box mm-hmm. to make them like ah, i'm the lakeside strangler or whatever it is that the that charles lee ray was in life, And that's a really bad look for them. So they're restoring this doll to show everyone, see, it's totally fine. Nothing's wrong with it.
1: And Chris and I were more than willing to accept that as the premise. Yes. Yeah. I
0: said, I guess that's an explanation at least.
1: <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying watching them put it together. If you have the phobia that I have, even, even knowing, like, I know it's just a piece of machinery. I understand. I know it's a prop. It's still terrifying to watch it be put
0: together. Yeah, if you want to hear more about that, listen to our first child's play episode.
1: Meanwhile, where they're putting the doll back together, they explain that they do not normally do this manually, which will be confirmed later when we see it. Cuz they kind of don't know what
0: they're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it's kind of a messy process and They act like inserting the eyes is a huge deal. Like, this is when
0: it's going to come online or whatever.
1: Yeah. But
0: that that mechanism in an assembly line process is going to come back and play a pretty important role.
1: Yes. I don't know what they have with eyes. Yeah. Well,
0: eyes creep people out. But when he tries to use the machine to insert the eyes, it's like these two, they're basically spikes, which plunge into the eye sockets of the doll, leaving the eyes in place. When he goes to do that, what happens to him?
1: A lot of blue electricity <laughs> uh-huh. comes alive and sparks up the doll and sparks him. Yes, in front of
0: the president, the
1: president and, and the, the day, guy yeah. from quarantine. So they see this guy straight up die. Uh huh. After this, oh well, I'm just gonna say it now. It cap. It happens later. After this. The dude from quarantine is going to be like, uh, so sir, what should I do with the doll? Uh-huh. <laughs> After they've just dealt with this guy dying. And I I suppose out of anger and frustration, the dude says, stick it up your ass.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the guy is, he acts pretty reasonably. He's like, this is, this is terrible. Like, uh, how could, like, this is, you? Uh, this has been fucked up at every possible turn. And he's not like just... Uh, I don't care that a person died or anything like that Like, you know, they bring in an ambulance They carry the guy out He seems genuinely concerned, but he's super pissed And so he tells him to shove it up his ass
1: Right, but, so Why does he take the doll with him?
0: Right, why wouldn't he just throw it
1: away? Right, why not destroy it Completely at this yep. point? That <laughs> That's the only thing here That's like, man You were so close to having a really solid premise here Yeah But no Anyway.
0: It does set up really nicely how Chucky ends up finding Andy, though.
1: Yes, but it's all come to shit when it makes zero sense why an adult man who does not have children, who has no desire to have this doll, he treats it like crap. Uh Why would he take it with him?
0: He has a date tonight, I guess, and he's supposed to buy vodka and he forgot to. And so he goes into a liquor store and has an argument with the teller there because they only take cash and he has a credit card. No, you don't understand. This is a gold card. It's as good as cash. And while he's doing that, Chucky's using his car phone and the folder full of information on Andy and his family yes. to contact the agency and say, hey, you know what? I'm Andy's Uncle Chucky. I'd like to get in contact Uncle with him. Charles.
1: Which Movies do not understand the foster care system. No, yeah. <laughs> there is zero way he yeah. would get
0: that information. They would probably refer you to the police first in this instance, or have you Parents talk to a judge. Parents yeah, can't get uh, this
1: information, so right. no. <laughs> right.
0: So when the guy gets back in, he forces him to drive him somewhere, and then kills the dude.
1: Yeah, he has a fake gun which is hilarious because why the guy he
0: just he, we saw he has a trunk full of prototypes and and the back seat has some stuff in there too it's he's he's a manager at a doll factory so he has I some stuff
1: i totally understand that point so my question is where does he think the doll got a gun from right
0: yeah he's an idiot he's
1: <laughs> such an idiot like this requires such stupidity but anyway poor andy is being fostered by a terrible foster clear. father. Yes, he's
0: not good at it. <laughs> he's not, especially since we know that what Andy's saying is is real. But in a real world, you can understand a foster parent like, you know, being, having a rough time of dealing with a kid like this. But the way he responds to that is pretty fucked up. It's only to traumatize the kid even more. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Forcing a kid to deal with his problems by screaming at him. Yeah. And telling him that he's a moron and that he's wrong is not the way to handle anything.
0: But the mom, Jenny Agutter... From we know from, American like, our Werewolf second in or third episode we did American Werewolf in London. Yeah. She's the nurse that he falls in love with. And
1: Chris says she struggled with her accent the oh, whole movie. the
0: whole movie. I noticed it
1: a couple times. The
0: whole movie. I was like, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> she okay. she says apparently that it was a terrible time making this movie. Why? I don't know. But she oh. said it was an awful experience. Oh. Yeah.
1: Wish I knew why. We see him dealing with a with a... Doctor, with a psychiatric doctor And he makes Andy tell him the story Which we're positive he's already told him a billion times Right And after which the doctor says, that's a scary
0: dream. Right. He engages him. He's like, wow, that really sucks. Like, that's that's terrible. And he lets him tell the whole story. And then he says, that's a real scary dream. It's like, no, dog, it was real.
1: (laughs) And the kid just kind of says, yeah, because what's the kid going to do? I think
0: that's what kids that's completely natural for a kid to do. Right. Is just to just figure out how to get along If everyone tells him it was a dream, he's just going to start saying, fine, it was a dream, and then maybe over time he'll start believing it. Yes. And he doesn't get that chance. (laughs) He tries, though. He tries.
1: The woman who handles the foster care home is?
0: Grace Zabriskie is her name. She plays Grace Poole, and we know her, of course, from Twin Peaks.
1: Yes, the mother. Probably
0: more than anything. Yeah, she's Sarah Palmer. Laura Palmer's mom. So she's the one that places Andy with this family.
1: Yes. On the drive home, they almost get into a car accident with a Play Pals truck. Yeah. Which is traumatizing for Andy. But way more importantly, the dad is like upset with Andy or something. Or he's talking to Andy, so he's not paying attention to the road, and he almost kills them all. Yes,
0: uh uh-huh, right at the beginning.
1: (laughs) And this does nothing to help his
0: image. Uh Uh-huh.
1: You will get to their house, and the first thing you will notice is their decor.
0: Yup.
1: Because it is some blue and pink decor. Uh Uh-huh. Like... Everywhere. Yeah. It's real bad. And there's tons of figurines everywhere, which you will find out is because they are antique collectors, which sounds like a great idea to bring in some foster kids to. Right. (laughs) Especially since the first thing they say is, first rule is, don't touch anything. Right. And in this movie, Andy is like,
0: (laughs) what is he, like seven or eight? Six or seven, I would guess. Because I think he was supposed to be like five or six in the first movie. Yeah. And it's been like two years, I think. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah, he's like my age. Wow, that's weird.
1: He just assumes that the first door he sees is his own bedroom and just waltzes in. Well, because she tells him to go explore. I guess.
0: And so he goes into the first room and that's Kyle's room.
1: Yes, we will meet Kyle, who is a girl who is smoking inside this foster home.
0: Well, it's it's a very cliche of the foster kid who's been bounced around from home to home and can't give a shit and you know, all of that. She's also about to turn eighteen yes. and be on her own because she'll be kicked out of the foster system.
1: Yes. But because he opened the door, he gets her caught by the lady from an American werewolf in London, which how do you not smell a cigarette in your house? Right, totally.
0: <laughs> So this is Joanne is her name, Jenny Agutter. And she says, basically, you know, oh, you know that Phil will kill you if he if he caught you. Like, like she almost doesn't care, except for the fact that her husband will get mad.
1: Right. I would just be pissed that you're doing it in my house. Right.
0: Go outside. Yeah, go the
1: fuck outside.
0: <laughs> but she does it everywhere. But I guess it is 1990. It's around the time when this would start to phase out. People would generally stop smoking in homes, indoors in general, you know, coming up pretty soon. But she does it when she's folding the laundry and it's like, seriously, fresh, clean clothes?
1: Yes. <laughs> she also does it, I think, when she's making them dinner, I think too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she the mom is more upset that she hasn't unpacked. She's like, you've been here for three weeks. And the girl's like, first of all, I never stay anywhere longer than a month. Second of all, I'm out of here real soon anyway, because I'm almost 18, so Mm. what does it matter? And she's like, well, you're here for now, and I want you to unpack.
0: Yeah. Seems very kind.
1: Yes. She's a very kind mom. Oh, my God. And then my fucking nightmare happens and he walks into a closet and what falls on him? Chucky
0: just falls out of nowhere on him. Now, this is a young boy's room because they they foster lots of kids. And so the last kid or a previous kid ended up leaving it in there and he freaks out and she apologizes. She's like, I didn't know it was in there. I'm so, so sorry.
1: Right. But instead of getting rid of the doll... She goes and puts it like in the living room or something. Yeah. <laughs> With like and the father already is just like what a crazy kid, you know. And so it's like you'd think that she would think, well this doll is clearly going to upset the kid, which is going to upset my husband, so maybe I should just get rid of it. Yeah. But she doesn't. And the father basically yells at him on his first day back saying it's only a doll, get the fuck over it, asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Hey, hey, hey. Andy, rule number two, don't run in the house. It's only a doll. Andy, are you listening to me? <laughs> what a fucking dick.
1: That night, as the mom is putting Andy to bed, she will promise him that nothing will harm him
0: while he's in her house. For the love of God, stop making unkeepable promises to kids. Yes. Fucking stop it.
1: Mm-hmm. Do not make a Jesus. promise that you don't
0: know that you can keep. Right. It happens so it's it's very cliche.
1: Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, that night, who will show up at the house?
0: Chucky, because he now has the address.
1: Yes. What does he find?
0: He finds Tommy, the other good guy's doll. Hi, I'm Tommy, wanna play. Apparently, this is a reference to Tom Holland, who directed the first movie.
1: Oh, really?
0: I guess. You know they got to name the doll. They all have different names, and he takes the ceramic figurine that was so important. This is a connection between the two movies we have in this episode. Uh, There's a precious ceramic thing that you know is so important, and they're so excited about. Uh, In this case, it's the ceramic figure that's been in her family forever, and Annabelle, it's a ceramic doll she's been looking for forever. But any anyway, Chucky grabs this ceramic figurine and breaks it. By smashing Tommy's face in, and then burying him underneath the swing set in the backyard.
1: So that morning, when they find the broken figurine, they simply assume it's the kid. Now, I do understand that to a point. Remember that they have two kids, and they do not immediately say it was the boy, but they do think it's the boy. Uh Uh-huh. But because neither of them will admit to it, they are grounded. Which I also understand to a point...
0: See, it's just like it's just like Lady in the Tramp when the Siamese cats break everything and Lady gets blamed. It's just like it's been done to death.
1: But I always think about it in real life. If I'm fostering kids and the next day something is broken, uh-huh. Am I probably going to jump to the idea that it was them? Yes. Am I going to accuse them? I don't know.
0: I don't think you can.
1: Right? Because, like, a spe- I mean, they don't have pets.
0: And the thing is, is it's so labored because Chucky has no way of knowing that that's important. So it's not like he got him in trouble on purpose.
1: Right. He just broke something.
0: Right. No, No. no. but his his objective was to smash Tommy the doll's face in. Why would he choose a ceramic figurine to do that?
1: Well, he Out of everything
0: know- he could use. Well, he doesn't know that it's important, but. Why would he even need to do it? Because that doll's not alive. He could have just buried it. Yes. And nobody's supposed to even see it. Right. So it's a pointless act on yes. Chucky's part. And it's just created by the writers to create the scenario that I hate anyway. It just makes me mad.
1: <laughs> but I wonder, what would I do in that situation? I yeah. don't know.
0: Right. I mean, so they do the thing, like like you say, that a lot of people do. You know, teachers do it all the time, too. Is it's like... You know, who did that? Well, if nobody's willing to admit it, then the whole class is in trouble uh, until somebody comes forward or whatever. But we all know that doesn't fucking work. It just leads to false confessions or everyone getting in trouble or the person that did it being picked on or, you know, like, of course, he's not going to want to admit it. You got to there's got to be better solutions to this. Right. I don't know. I'm not a parent
1: because they're both stuck inside Kyle's gardening, (laughs) which seems Out of character. (laughs) Uh
0: Especially if she knows she's not going to be there for very long.
1: Right. And he will expressly pick up the Chucky doll.
0: To try to prove that he's okay.
1: Because he thinks it's Tommy.
0: Yeah. He knows that they have expectations of him to get better and be okay with the good guy's doll. He comes up from the basement where they're doing laundry in this instance. And then walks and picks up the doll and just says, hey. And they go, hi. And he walks back downstairs to the basement with the doll. And they're like, "Uh, what? I thought he hated that doll.
1: Yes. And when he takes it downstairs, he immediately tells him he hates him. (laughs) (laughs) But so he goes outside to see Kyle.
0: Gardening, yeah.
1: And she explains that her mother put her up for adoption at three and her dad had split before that. And they have a moment on the swing, which is where... Chucky gets the idea to put the doll under there. No, the
0: doll's already under there. And he's just watching them swing over it.
1: Oh. Yeah. So does he realize that it was a really fucking dumb idea? I think
0: he's starting to realize it. Because she just wanted to sit down. He was swinging. She was done gardening. She's like, here, it's my turn. Let me sit. And he starts pushing her. And she's like, stop. I don't want to be pushed. And he's like, no, come on. Too late. I'm already pushing you. And she ends up having fun. And it's kind of this really cute moment. Meanwhile, yeah, Chucky's watching them the whole time. Swing over the dead body of Tommy, the good guy doll.
1: Mm -hmm. So that night, Chucky is going to try and take away his soul.
0: Yeah, he doesn't waste any time.
1: And he ties him up while he's sleeping, and he puts a sock in his mouth. But he is interrupted in the middle of his voodoo. Uh Uh-huh. What happens? Did you miss me, Andy? I sure missed you.
0: I told you. We were going to be friends to the end, and now... It's time to play. I got a new game, sport. It's called Hide the Soul. And guess what? You're it. do, we, Dembella. Give me the power I bake.
1: This is no real little shit. I'm not gonna spend the rest of my life as a plastic freak. Next
0: time you're alone, you're mine. Kyle is sneaking back in from going out previously, even though she's grounded, and she sees that uh, he's all tied up, and he's like, "Come on!" And the parents come in, and you know, "Up, oh, you're busted. We caught you."
1: I can't believe you
0: would tie up this kid. Yes, just to
1: get out at night. Uh huh. But of course, the kid tells them it was Chucky. Which angers the father, not to the point where he will destroy the doll. Nope. Or just get rid of it. No, he's going to throw it down into the basement. Yep. Okay. Chucky will sit up and realize he is bleeding. And so he can die in in this form. Yeah. On their way to school... Without backpacks, I might mention.
0: Yeah, she called that out (laughs) as we were watching. She's like, where's his backpack?
1: (laughs) The mom will stop him to give him his lunch with egg salad in it because he told her that his mom made him eggs.
0: Really cute. Yes. And when they're driving away, well, first he gets into the bus and all the kids are mean to him, but this isn't really a plot point. Not at all. But he goes to the back of the bus and the camera goes from outside that window at the back of the bus hands down as the bus drives away and we see little chucky legs dangling from underneath the rear bumper
1: and you might be wondering when's he gonna get him alone at school well he's not guys his plan is to get the kid in trouble again don't really know why right i I mean wouldn't you think he would try to like Get him home alone. Stay under the radar, right? Yes. Without people realizing he exists, so that he can get no into the kids'
0: bodies. Sense. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is a fucking serial killer. <laughs> in real life, it's a black magic serial killer, and he's like, I know. Let's get an eight-year-old in trouble. Well, like, maybe
1: what? he just wants to murder because he will murder
0: the teacher tonight. Yes, today he really does want to murder. But why is he antagonizing? Andy in such a way that doesn't fulfill his goal of getting the body back
1: Exactly, especially since he knows his time is limited Yes You'd think he'd
0: prioritize Yes
1: (laughs) But I guess serial killers are insane But we need
0: content for the movie, so
1: (laughs) Anything goes And the teacher is sparkle motion, lady Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion
0: Yes, Beth Grant
1: Yes Always plays a bitch. Always. Kind of always
0: does. She was the the pageant official in Little Miss Sunshine. Obviously Donnie Darko.
1: What is your daughter doing? <laughs> she's kicking ass. That's in my power hour.
0: She's one of the passengers on speed.
1: <laughs> I'm sure she's a lovely lady. I'm sure she is. A kid flicks his ear to which he turns and loudly says something back to him.
0: Stop it or whatever.
1: Now. It makes zero sense that the woman would hear a kid say, stop it, or whatever, and have the kid be turned and looking at the kid behind him and not have her understand that that's what happened. Right, she gets
0: mad at him for disrupting class.
1: Right. And I understand to a point why she might be think that at first, but it's like you look up and the, the situation is clear. Uh-huh. And you can't tell me that a bully like that hasn't gotten in trouble before. Right.
0: Like, let's just say the bully's name is Jim. You're teaching a class. Your back's turned. You hear this new kid, Andy, go, stop it. And he's turned facing Jim, who you know is a bully. You don't go, Jim, knock it off. (sighs) Like, at least. Right. No. So they're out of the class at, like, recess or something like that. And Chucky is... Looking through all the papers, all the homework assignments or classwork assignments saying, where is it? Where is it? He's specifically looking for Andy's paper so he can write fuck you, bitch on it. Which again, this is the sort of antagonism we're talking about. How does that get him closer to his goal? (laughs) Not at all. So yeah, the teacher finds that in class and keeps Andy after class.
1: So the school day is ending and she tells Andy that he's stuck here for detention after school And she asks him who, because he claims he didn't do it. And she's like, well, then who did it? And because he's worried she won't believe him, he doesn't speak, but he looks at the doll.
0: Which he found in the cupboards.
1: Yes. And she thinks that he wants to play with it. And she's like, oh, screw you. I'm, no toys for you. And she throws it into... The closet. Uh, the closet. So she throws the doll into the closet and locks it, which you think is good. That's going to be good for Andy. But then she locks the door on the classroom door, which makes sense because she doesn't want him running out. But she's also locked him in with the doll. But the doll can't get out.
0: Mm-hmm, but he's banging against the door.
1: Right. He's banging against the door, which frightens Andy so much that Andy runs out through the window. So when the teacher returns after having called his parents to let him know that he was being kept after school, she hears banging inside the closet. So uh-huh. she assumes it's Andy, which doesn't make any sense. How did Andy get in if you locked the door? Right, exactly. But sure. So she goes inside and it's like this huge like utility closet, which I don't know why that would be attached to a classroom, but maybe it's an old school. I don't know. She goes in and there's nothing there. How this doll moves as quickly as he does without knocking things over, getting into positions where he can jump yeah.
0: on adult people. I'm not as concerned about that without, without knocking stuff, things
1: over. O- well, there's a lot of shit in this yeah, room. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And he ends up killing the teacher. Again. For seemingly known reason, unless you're going to try and blame it on Andy, which I don't know why you would want to do that, because then you put Andy in
0: a secure facility or something like that, which Uh then
1: would mean that you'd be stuck in a secure facility.
0: By the way, nobody mentions the dead teacher for the rest of the movie. Yeah, nobody cares. It's not a plot point at all. (laughs) He never goes back to school.
1: Right. Right. I wrote down very specifically, I do not enjoy the face. Yeah. His facial expressions are terrible, Especially
0: when he's manic and angry. Yes. Yeah.
1: When he gets home, the parents are mad that he got put in detention, but I think it was something else. Or maybe it's just that he wrote fuck you, bitch, on the teacher's work. Right, yeah. I don't know, but... They he basically, blames it on
0: Chucky, and the dad's like, "Oh, yeah, he's been right. in the basement all night. How could that's he have done right. it?"
1: And he opens it up, and Chucky's in there somehow. Yeah. they don't explain that. The dad is just like, "We gotta, we gotta send him back."
0: But I do like the thing about not explaining that. I do like not knowing ourselves. We can, we can assume, right, that he's going to be down there because of film tropes, but. We don't know. We didn't see him go back in. We didn't see him get stuck at the school or any of that. So it's a surprise to us just as much as it's a surprise to Andy. And I appreciate that at least. But we can assume he climbed through the window or whatever. It's not like it's an impossible task.
1: I guess. But so that night, he's very upset that he's getting sent home. And Kyle comes in and she's like, dude, it, it happens in the foster system. I get sent back. Every month, Mm
0: -hmm. you got to
1: learn that you're the only person you can count on. Yeah. To which Andy says, it doesn't matter where I go, Chucky will find me. Yeah. So it doesn't matter where I go or what I do.
0: Could you imagine your little brother saying that, even if it's a foster brother or not? Like That's kind of fucking scary. It's a terrifying thought.
1: Well, it is a terrifying thought, but when you consider the fact that they think of Chucky kind of as his... um. Like his baggage. Yeah. You know, it makes more sense to that metaphorical sense. So like for her, I don't think that she would have thought of it literally. I think mm. she would have thought of it as it doesn't matter where I go. This, this trauma is going to follow yeah. me. Uh-huh. So he decides to get rid of Chucky himself.
0: Yeah. What does he use? Something we just saw recently. I don't know. He uses a turkey carver.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: It's an electric knife.
1: But this one has batteries. It's, yeah, battery
0: operated. (laughs) Not plugging in. (laughs) Uh, 1990 batteries. Probably not great.
1: I hate seeing the shadow running by. I do not Uh enjoy that at all.
0: He tries, but he fails. Chucky attacks him. And then the dad hears all the commotion. And so he goes downstairs.
1: Wait, but before you go to the dad, Mm -hmm. I want to say something about this. Because it's a problem that... This is a problem that will happen for the rest of the film, and it bothers me to no end, okay? Everybody I know that that wants to say, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of a doll, you can just kick it, okay? We all know that it's a human man inside, so he's strong. I understand that. I believe it. If that's what the world wants me to believe, I can believe right. that. That's
0: your suspension of disbelief level.
1: right. Yes. So when he grabs people, I have no problem believing that he is choking them. Yeah. That I believe. Okay. But the body doesn't reach the floor. Right. There is nothing that's like stabilizing he, he where doesn't, he, he doesn't is. not have any
0: leverage.
1: Nothing should be yeah. able to stop me from moving. Yes, I'm being choked. But nothing is stopping <laughs> me from moving the rest of my body. Uh-huh. So why?
0: Well, the camera's really close up on the <laughs> neck area where he's strangling you. So they're thinking that you as an audience member aren't thinking about the rest.
1: But of the so, body. like, the kid will be far from something and he'll uh-huh. be reaching for it. And I'm like. Just get up. Yeah, get and walk up. over there. <laughs> I know it hurts that you're being strangled, but get up. <laughs> Really, and that will happen for the rest mm-hmm. of the film. There's just no qualifying it.
0: Yeah. So they're making a lot of commotion, needless to say. And the dad's like, what the fuck is going on, Phil? He says, I'll I'll take a look at it. And he go- opens up the basement. And at this point, Chucky's disappeared because he knows the dad's coming. It's just Andy standing there in the middle of the of the basement <laughs> holding an electric knife. And the dad's like, whoa. He thinks this is a disturbed fucking kid. Yes. Whoa, Andy, we can talk about it. Whatever you want to talk about. You just need to put the knife down on the ground right now. And he's like, <laughs> holy shit. And he tries to make his way down the stairs, at which point Chucky grabs. It's like a fire hook thing. Like, what is it that he grabs? I can't remember. He I grabs just know a hook.
1: He does something to make him fall.
0: And he, and he, he hooks around the dad's. Leg, which causes him to fall sideways and be hanging, and and snap his neck on the ground. So yes, his leg is still hooked on the the stairs, but that's not in the important part. When his head hits the ground, snaps his neck.
1: But before that, he's just left in suspension. And Chucky will come up we'll to him like, and let say, "Let go of him, yeah." Uh-huh. Hey Phil, how's it hanging?
0: Yeah. And uh-huh. <laughs> Phil's
1: face of like, "Oh my god," yeah, this is this... pretty great. And then he's dead.
0: Yeah. How's it hanging, Phil?
1: Uh, uh.
0: And then Kyle and the mom, Joanne, come rushing down. They're like, oh, my God, Phil. Now, the good news is, is neither of them think Andy did it. They do think it's an accident that he fell off the stairs.
1: But the mom is, is still blaming him.
0: Well, no, it's more like a get away from me right now.
1: No, she wants to send him back.
0: Yes, but it's not like they think he... Killed Phil. They might think that Phil's dead because of him, but not that he killed Phil. I guess. Yeah, she yells at him to get away from me because her husband just fucking died. And so she's really upset.
1: And before they take him away, Andy tells Kyle, he's still in the cellar. Don't let him get you too. Now, Why Chucky wants to stick around and kill these people, I guess, because he's a serial killer. But again, you have bigger fish to fry. Right. Your kid has been sent off again. Shouldn't you be following him?
0: Yeah, so Grace goes to pick him up. This is when out in the backyard, Kyle is thinking and she's swinging on the, the swing again and she's dragging her feet. And she discovers there's something buried down there. And she pulls out. Tommy the good guy's doll with his face smashed in. So she knows there's a second good guy's doll and that makes her start to think oh my god, was he telling the truth?
1: And so she walks in to find a ball of yarn that has fallen down the stairs leading up to a tragic scene where Joanne the sower I might add yes. is found. Uh-huh.
0: Another link to Annabelle.
1: Well but also Joanne sewing. Oh
0: yeah, uh-huh. Joanne's fabrics.
1: <laughs> To find...
0: Joanne's dead.
1: Yes, in a very weird way.
0: Yeah, like she strangled her. and her throat's been cut. But or she's like... like yeah. Sideways. It's one of those things where you turn a chair around and the person's just fucking dead. Yes. And so she freaks out, but gets attacked by Chucky.
1: Who is hiding in the sheets.
0: Yes, and it's kind of creepy when she sits down on the bed because she's so taken aback by Joanne's dead body that... He rises from underneath the sheets, and so the sheets lift up, and then he throws it off, and it's Chucky. But that's a really creepy visual there.
1: All of this is creepy visuals. <laughs> None of this is okay. This movie may not be good, but it's still terrifying because the fucking doll is terrifying. Yeah. Okay? And so I will give that series that. Okay? This movie is is petrifying.
0: So Chucky holds her hostage and forces her... To drive him, this is why he needs to terrorize them. But drive him uh, to.
1: That's a good explanation. The lady's house. I like that explanation that he needed someone to, to get him house. there because yeah. why else would the kid have taken him with him? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So he goes to Grace's house with Kyle. She ends up getting pulled over along the way, and he's just fascinated by the fact that there's, oh, it's one of those good guys' stalls. What's your name, buddy? And he's like, Chucky. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> he's all he says. And he's like, that's incredible.
1: <laughs>
0: he's like, well, be safe because they it would be bad news because obviously she doesn't own the car. The registration doesn't match her. All he asked for is just the license, but they need to not be inspected by this cop any further either of them because if she's caught it's gonna look like she killed joanne mm-hmm. and if he's caught he doesn't get to andy so either way it's bad but the cop lets him off
1: something really stupid happens here though yeah with the cop uh-huh chucky starts to bleed from the nose
0: oh yeah And she's which- like oh you've heard of dolls that pee themselves this one bleeds
1: I guess a cop wouldn't know. Maybe it's like a nurse's doll, I yeah, guess. Yeah, or he's like,
0: Well that's really fucking creepy. <laughs> like what is he gonna what else is he gonna think, right? Yeah. So they make it to Grace's house where Andy is, and when she opens the door, it's Kyle that's there.
1: No, first what happens? Kyle finally has a good idea. Kyle finally has a brief moment of of genius uh-huh. and realizes he's not wearing a seatbelt.
0: Oh yeah. If
1: I and, and he's making her drive really fast. If I hit the brakes, he will go flying through the
0: windshield. Well, at least go flying and hurt himself and she can get away.
1: Wh- yes. You'd think that was the plan. Uh-huh. It's not. She does just that, and he does get out. Now, I do understand the desire to destroy it, but it's a doll. Like, you'd have to get it directly under the the wheel yeah. to do anything to it. And right in front of them is a fence. So the plan isn't great to run him over, but she decides to do so. Yeah. Destroying the car and then allowing him to get back in the car and put a knife to her again. So this moment of genius was for nothing. Yep. Just another thing to happen. Like, this movie is filled with padding.
0: You're right. It is. It's a lot of padding. There are a lot of padding. There are multiple endings, and we'll talk about that later.
1: Yes. So, so.
0: they they managed to make it to the Foster Center.
1: Because it happens right outside of the Foster yes. Center. Uh-huh. She doesn't have this moment of genius until then.
0: Which is right next to the Play Pals. <laughs> factory Something which is like why that. they almost ran into that truck leaving the foster center <laughs> so ridiculous but anyway they pull the fire alarm and so everyone leaves yes. and Grace is trying to get Andy. Andy together so they can get out of the building but when they open the door Kyle's standing there with Chucky
1: who is holding the knife from and behind it.
0: it yeah whatever Whatever. And he jumps and stabs Grace, killing Grace. And she
1: falls on a what?
0: I don't remember. A
1: copy machine that just oh. happens to be oh making copies God. in the middle of the night. Okay,
0: so we're starting to get to, like, <laughs> silly territory.
1: And as she's falling, it keeps taking pictures, so when the pictures come out, it's her slowly falling.
0: No, I think it's just the same photo, actually.
1: Well, it's several of it, but it's it's yeah. slowly showing her slowly mm. falling.
0: It's, yeah, it's like, okay, we're going, we're going silly now.
1: And, okay, but there is a funny line here. This happens right in front of Andy. And Andy looks terrified. And Chucky turns to him and he goes, oh, snap out of it.
0: You act like you've never
1: seen a dead body
0: before. (laughs) Snap out of it. You act like you've never seen a dead body before. That is kind of funny. It is funny because he's seen lots of dead bodies
1: at this point. So... Andy and Kyle and Chucky all run away, which, as Chris pointed out, is right in front of the factory, as fate would have it.
0: Chucky forces Andy to go to the doll facility. Okay. okay. And Kyle runs after them. And he's going to do the voodoo thing again in this completely empty, yet still operating
1: yes, doll facility. Yes, again, in the middle of the night.
0: Apparently, one of the... Subplots, it's not even a subplot, it's just like a weird element The factory is completely automated and run by one guy Who just watches everything and and looks at at alerts when things aren't working properly Are they like making a statement? I don't know It's just a cheap excuse to have an empty warehouse that's still moving
1: Yes, and and I'd like to point out a couple of things about this warehouse setup It is a maze in there yeah, which is ludicrous. Anyone who's ever worked in in a warehouse
0: mm-hmm.
1: knows you got to keep that shit in line, ready to be picked up for the trucks. Yeah, like the absurdity of this gigantic maze <laughs> oh, is yeah. ridiculous. Well, the maze
0: is all of the the boxes of complete toys. Yes, yeah. toys
1: that are ready to be shipped uh-huh. and not prepared to be put on on the trucks yeah, at all. Yeah,
0: they're like tied up four together, but they're and they're on pallets, but they're not. Sealed, They're like not super boxed high. in any way, and yeah, it's weird. It looks like a early '90s first person shooter on the PC. Yes, you know where all the textures just look really fucking repetitive and garish flat. and flat. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it looks like.
1: I would also like to point out about the assembly line machinery. If you've ever seen toys, this reminded me a lot of that.
0: But you but see, it's like bright, it's big machines that are designed in weird ways to look like they have personalities. Right. And it's like what in the toys. F- what the fuck is the purpose of this in this universe?
1: Which makes sense in the toys universe yes. because it's supposed to be fun and silly and a part of a childlike mind.
0: Right. It's like the new chocolate factory, but for toys in that movie.
1: But here, this is just a factory uh-huh. that is just meant to make. Toys that are going to be sold. A, it makes no sense that they would make... They would design it all cool and silly and cool, Uh wacky looking. But much more importantly, the design requires, if you're going to fix certain things, to get into, like, positions that can kill you. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Like... What are the? Are, this is not up to code. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I have to say. OSHA
0: regulations are not being met here. This is not up to code, especially when they try to go out via an exit <laughs> door that's locked. Yes. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll we'll get to the really big set piece of this factory in a little bit. But first, Chucky tries the, the voodoo ritual again, and the
1: storm finishes starts. It. The
0: storm happens. He's all done. And then he realizes he's bleeding from the nose and he screams, no, it's too late. He is Mm -hmm. trapped in this body forever.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now he just wants to kill them to get revenge.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I buy that (laughs) at this point. But guess what? If you hadn't fucked around for so long, this probably wouldn't be a problem. So they are running around.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's like constant... (laughs) There's an exit. No, it's not. Let's go through this extremely dangerous thing. And there will be multiple endings here. Yeah. And I have a very funny story about this. Tell
0: us about the multiple endings, Kelsey.
1: Back before you had TV Guide on the TV.
0: Like there was a channel, right?
1: Before even that. Uh Uh-huh. The only way to find out what was on TV at what time was to look at the actual TV Guide. I was a child, and why the fuck would I do that? So... What I would do, what any kid would do, you'd flip through the channels to find out what was on. Yeah, that
0: used to be the thing. You'd just press channel up and channel up, or maybe you had certain channels that you knew you could yes, cycle through.
1: Exactly. Yeah. HBO, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, MTV, right? Uh-huh. Right? So I knew those particular channels and you just go back and forth between them. Mm-hmm.
0: HBO is five hundred and five, and not back no, then
1: know. it was twenty five. Well, it depends on that. your it
0: depends on your cable provider. Yeah. I think
1: Disney Channel was twenty. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I would go back and forth between them. Being a young child, I put on HBO because it was the only way to watch movies without commercials at the time. Mm-hmm. I get one of these end sequences. It's like the first one where. Chucky is following him up. Oh, right. Where she decides to climb up the, uh, the thing. The rollers. The, that, the rollers. That, yeah, they think
0: is going to take them outside or somewhere else. I don't know doesn't. why. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but so she convinces him to climb up there. And he does. He falls. And unfortunately for him, Chucky's right behind him. So there's this whole sequence of him climbing up. And this is the part that I flipped on. Hate this doll. Terrified out of my mind. Click away. Right? And anyone who would flip onto that would assume that's the end of the film. It certainly looks like the end of the film. Uh-huh. It looks like the climax. So I'm like, I'll give it a little bit of time, you know, for the falling action. And so then, a little while later, I flip back. I'm at another end sequence. Oh where and It's
0: the terrifying one. Chucky
1: is climbing up after him again, I think.
0: no, isn't it? Isn't it when he's the flesh monster?
1: Oh, Jesus, I don't remember. Isn't that
0: what you told me? I feel like that's what you told me, that that's the one where- Just yeah, Chucky gets pretty deformed in this end sequence. Okay, it's not important the order of events. Just shit happens. They try to get away. They can't get away. The one guy that's watching things realizes that one of the machines broke. It's the eye machine, and he gets his eyeballs poked out <laughs> by the machine. And then it's used. His body is used as a scare tactic. Yes. They find out that there is a vat of what appears to be molten plastic. <laughs> that it's like acid that they need to be that they need to be scared of and then there's this conveyor belt that goes up into a machine that has like blade slicer doors unnecessarily because mm-hmm. it's not cutting anything right it closes and then comes out the other end pretty much exactly like it like it just puts the arms on so like here's the thing <laughs> there's a machine that grabs arms it puts it into the body that went into this box, right? Grab some legs, puts on the legs, right? And then it comes out, and then it goes into a hair thing that, pl- that plops the hair into the scalp. Okay, I can buy all of that. Where is the molten plastic in all of this process? What does that have to do with this, you know, magical box that things go in and then they come out differently? We see the mechanism. It's just these arms that put... I think it's acid that makes the plastic. Yeah, maybe... But so anyway... I don't know anything about this stuff, so... Chucky goes into this thing... They
1: realize that if they do it in reverse, it will go haywire and put everything on it at once. the The
0: hair stapler thing that uses, you know, those little plastic tags that you have on your clothes that you need to bite off or you need to cut off with scissors or whatever. It uses that to put the hair in, I guess, even though that doesn't make sense. And then, like, staples him, Chucky the crotch of his pants to this platform. And then they ride it backwards up into this box and then they flip all the switches or whatever. And then, Oh yeah.
1: And that goes right down onto his groin. So the implication here is that he has, but he doesn't because
0: we know he's just a fucking doll. Right. That's been refurbished, (laughs) but yeah, whatever. It's just whatever. And he comes out with like multiple arms and legs and stuff. And he's all weird. And he tries to attack Andy this way. I forget what's happening. Oh, Kyle is going up the conveyor belt now, and she's been knocked out. And so now it's a time factor. At some point, Chucky gets cut in half, and he's riding on a box coming towards Andy. Like Eddie Murphy in um, trading places. Trading places. <laughs> yeah. And he's coming at him. Andy, who saw the acid molten plastic thing earlier, opens it up, and all this molten plastic gets all over Chucky.
1: Horrifying.
0: And now he's this
1: horrifying.
0: This plastic flesh monster thing that's gonna come after him again until how does his head explode? That's how he dies. How does his head explode? Oh, Kyle does it, because he saves Kyle Bills from the it machine. With air. Yeah, and then this this air compressor thing shoves it into his mouth as he's coming at them as this homunculus, and
1: he does he Chris. Pointed out that he looks like one of the garbage pail kids, and he does,
0: especially when his head starts blowing up. Right.
1: He also reminded me of when (laughs) in uh, Drop Dead Fred he gets his oh yeah when he gets his head smashed
0: in the uh, refrigerator. Yeah, uh it inflates his head, inflates his head until it finally explodes. Now we know we're at the point before he was almost turned human again, but permanently locked into the doll form. Right. Almost, but not quite, before he was killed. So you think, well, maybe there's still some magic left or whatever. And then he's brought back at the beginning of this movie. Now we know for certain he is permanently trapped as this doll and he can die like any other human can die. And his head fucking explodes. How on earth are they going to bring Chucky back for Chucky 3? Really curious to figure out how that goes. So when we watch. It's going to be a while. So when we watch <laughs> The Boy Two or Annabelle Creation or Annabelle comes home, I can't well, remember. Well, after
1: having first. seen Annabelle, I see no reason to put the movies together anymore.
0: Right. We'll talk about Annabelle a little later. I
1: will explain that very and angrily.
0: <laughs> so Kyle and Andy, who have now bonded like their brother and sister now, yes. leave in, it's the morning and they get <laughs> out of this factory and the movie ends.
1: Well, no, what does he say to her? And what does she say back? Do you remember?
0: Something about how nobody's going to believe him?
1: No. She says, let's go home, Andy. He says, where is home? She goes, I have no idea.
0: Movie ends. (laughs) It's so frustrating that this movie did such a good job answering the what's next question from (laughs) the first movie. Yeah. That they so poorly positioned this movie they're like fuck it we're we're not gonna figure it out ah! we'll let the next people figure it out yes like what's next
1: we don't know and we won't know for a long we time. have two
0: dead foster parents <laughs> a rebellious foster child who's known to be trouble
1: a dead teacher a dead play pals uh, employee a
0: little kid who might be the reason Other humans are dead from the first movie, and now more people are dead in this movie. Like, what the fuck next? Are they just going to live on the street? Yep. Is that how the third one's going to start?
1: We have no idea. Because I know
0: Andy's in the third one. So, what happens?
1: We'll find out.
0: We will find out, Kelsey. We will find out.
1: A long time from now.
0: Yeah? Is it going to be that long before we watch another doll movie?
1: Another Chucky movie specifically. Well yes. we gotta
0: pair it up with another doll movie.
1: But there's lots of other doll
0: movies. I there told you is.
1: there's dear dolly.
0: Yes, and there's the one that James Wan did like one of his early movies, uh Dead Silence. Dead Silence, yeah.
1: Which everyone says is good. Yeah. So but we'll- unfortunately I know the ending, which fucking sucks. So
0: do I, yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's the end of Child's Play 2. Do you have any other comments about this movie, Kelsey?
1: I'm good. Were
0: you just as terrified as you were the first time around? Yes. Do you feel like this exposure therapy is doing you any good?
1: I mean, look, I can handle him a lot better now when he's just the doll. Uh-huh. And when, or when he's just talking normally, I can handle it a lot better. But I still can't handle him when he's crazy fucking scary.
0: We watched this movie in bed, and I saw that Kelsey was sitting with her knees up. <sighs> And then I was like, at one point, I was like, okay, you can't just pretend like you're watching the movie, but actually be blocking it the whole time with your knees. Because there was a particularly scary part coming up. And she's like, oh, I've been watching the whole movie that way. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) Exposure therapy doesn't work if you don't expose yourself.
1: I saw him enough.
0: I do not actually know if exposure therapy does any good. Do not take this as medical advice. (laughs) So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, I mean, I'm really, really, we didn't get to the crazy stuff. It got silly in several places. With the Xerox machine joke, I wrote, that's a really bad joke, even though the look on her face in that Xerox was kind of terrifying. Yeah,
1: she looks scared. I don't think they were doing that for laughs.
0: But then it just kept coming out on top of her. And it's like, I mean, the fact that the Xerox would go off at all. Right. Like, it's just silly. And, and the way the whole ending Just as nonsense Mm -hmm. is very, very silly. Like, it's still not to the modern day, this is what Chucky is level of silliness.
1: I just remember this summer, Chucky gets lucky. I just remember that a lot. That's not from this movie, though. This is 99.
0: This is like, sorry, Jack Chucky's back. So, Kelsey. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: I would probably guess... 66?
0: 44, actually.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Out of 16 reviews, no consensus statement, Metacritic of 37, and a cinema score, it actually got surveyed, of A-. minus. People came out of this theater and they had lots of fun. Enough fun that it averaged out at an A minus. That's pretty crazy. Which is insane. But yes, Rotten Tomatoes score 44, Metacritic average of 37. Now the first movie had a Rotten Tomatoes of 67 and you gave it a 70, I gave it a 75. The remake had a 64, you gave it a 75, I gave it a 76. What would you give this one? Is that 44 overrated or underrated? That 37 overrated or underrated? I'd say
1: that's underrated.
0: Okay. What would you give it?
1: I was going to give it, like, a 60.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not nearly as good as the first one. No. It escalates in ways that just make it more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But not better. No. But it's not bad. Yeah.
1: It's not a horrible movie. And he's still scary as fuck, so.
0: yeah. I will give this one a, I, you know what, I'll give it a 60 as well. I think that's a pretty good score. I think that's a fair score. All right, that is our classic film, 1990s Child's Play 2. Before we move on to our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia.
1: What was the name of Buffalo Bill's dog in The Silence of the Lambs?
0: Fuck! Isn't it like Buffy or Muffy or something like that? Nope. No? What is it? I don't know. Precious. Precious. I knew it was some precious name. I didn't know it was precious, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelsey. This one, I'm, I don't think you're going to get, but it is about Annabelle. According to Francis Sullivan, general manager of Warner Brothers Philippines, Annabelle debuted as the highest grossing horror movie ever in the Philippines, unseating a movie from just the year prior. 2013, what was the movie that it unseated? The Conjuring? Close.
1: Insidious?
0: Insidious Chapter 2. Yeah. (laughs) So not quite the same franchise, but the same James Wan... Universe. Yeah. (laughs) So with that, we'll be talking about our modern film 2014's Annabelle, directed by John R. Leonetti, written by Gary Doberman, Starring Ward Horton, Annabelle Wallace, <laughs> Alfrey Woodard, and Tony Almondola. Leonetti, the director, was actually cinematographer on The Conjuring, which this is a spinoff slash prequel to. Uh, I, I hesitate to say prequel because it has nothing to do with The Conjuring or any of the people in The Conjuring. It just relates to the opening scene of The Conjuring, and only tangentially. Uh, but he was a cinematographer on that and on both I say both insidious movies. The two good insidious movies. (laughs) He also hadn't directed a film since Mortal Kombat Annihilation was his previous directing duty. The bad Mortal Kombat. (laughs) I know, I know. But also, he was a cinematographer on another movie from 1991. That movie being Child's Play 3. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The writer, though, Gary Doberman, is a writer on every movie in the Annabelle series, as well as The Nun, which is another Conjuring spinoff, and both it movies, weirdly. Not just the first one, which we thought was okay, but also the second one, which was terrible. (laughs) So, Kelsey, can you tell us what Annabelle is about?
1: A pregnant woman and her husband are the victims of a cultist attack. Unfortunately for them, it was a satanic cult. And unfortunately for them, they were able to perform
0: a summoning ritual,
1: a ritual before they were they found their demise. And now the pregnant woman and her husband and then eventually their baby will be terrorized.
0: You might notice something interesting about Kelsey's 100% accurate description. <laughs> And that is that Annabelle appears nowhere in the description. She's almost fucking inconsequential to the plot. Yes. And that's what makes this so fucking well, it's infuriating. it's funny that you call
1: the doll Annabelle because the doll's name is not Annabelle. That
0: Oh my God, that's a great point. I forgot about that. <laughs> Annabelle was the name of the girl. Yes. We'll talk about it, but it was completely made up by somebody who we hear about in The Conjuring. After the events of this movie, Annabelle is the name of the girl in this one who is part of that cult. Yes. Who attacks them. Yes. But has nothing further to do, they have to force her ghost into the rest of this fucking movie in order for it to deserve the name Annabelle, but this doll never gets called Annabelle in this entire fucking movie. Doesn't get a name. What's most infuriating about this movie, which, by the way, is $4 to rent in most places and $10 to $15 to buy, it's not streaming for free anywhere, is that where it is the worst, other than the fact that it is built up on... Bad, meaningless jump scares. There's still... Like the scariness factor of it is. There's still a lot to really, really like about this movie. And where it falls is in every way that it tries to force itself into this Annabelle mythos. hmm It's infuriating. Mm-hmm. Should people watch it?
1: No. For the most part, this movie is boring. It's not worth your time, in my opinion. It It's not terrible. It's not. As Chris was just saying... There there was potential here, but...
0: If they just made this the movie that they wanted to make it without trying to make it the Annabelle movie, could have been something interesting.
1: Yeah, but for the most part, it's just pretty boring.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh, you can take our advice or leave it. I mean, We were dreading watching this movie, and...
1: It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought no. it was going to be. I, I thought mean, it was going to be awful.
0: Just so you know... That we're not just like, oh, we set ourselves up to hate it, and so we did hate it. We didn't hate it. Right. We were surprised that it exceeded our expectations.
1: I thought there was some quality acting here, too.
0: Yeah. But still not worth watching. No. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will be talking about 2014's Annabelle. It started out small, like a hand or a leg was in a different position. Then
1: one day it was in a completely different room. It was moving around by itself.
0: Annabelle, in theaters October 3rd. Kelsey, can you get us started? How does Annabelle begin?
1: We get a shortened version of the scene from the original conjuring movie which we went back and watched beforehand cuz we didn't know we, did. we didn't know that was how it was going to start
0: but but it's very important that they leave out key pieces of data that's in the conjuring
1: I disagree. I actually think this movie does a fine job of staying within
0: those parameters. No, just the parameters that they establish. My point is, they don't want you to know about the other parameters. I have a real quick list of the rules that we get from The Conjuring, right? So, a seven-year-old named Annabelle died in the nurse's apartment. That's where the name Annabelle comes from.
1: That's a lie. It is.
0: I'm not there yet. But yes, you're right. Seven-year-old Annabelle, the ghost, took a liking to the young woman's doll, and they gave her permission to inhabit the doll. Then the doll does some weird shit, and they end up throwing it away. Then there's a pounding at the door in the middle of the night, and there's a note outside that says, Miss me. Then there's a pounding in the guest room, and Annabelle is in there, even though they threw her outside. Importantly, they say that ghosts do not possess such power. This is an inhuman spirit. It's demonic. It's never walked the earth in human form.
1: All of which the movie stays true to. Yes.
0: The doll was used as a conduit to make them think it was possessed. It actually wanted to possess them. Those key elements are nowhere to be found in this movie. It never once uses the doll to make people think that the doll is possessed, and it never once tries to possess a human body. Its objective is to steal human souls, as in killing people. Yes. Which is completely different than what was established in The Conjuring. Yes. True. That's all I'm saying. Like we said before the jump here, if they just took out Annabelle, this movie would be not perfect. But so much better. (laughs) And so they try to like, well, let's just not mention those other things and hope people forgot about them.
1: The only piece of information that they add to that scenario, you learn that the mom of the woman gave her the doll for her birthday. It's the only thing you learn that's new.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So then we get a title card of one year earlier. There is a man and his pregnant wife and the man looks so much like... Daniel Tosh. It's distracting. Okay, so the
0: husband, John, is Daniel Tosh meets Eddie Redmayne meets Jonathan Groff. Like, that's who this man is. Like, all three of these gentlemen appear in his face. This guy's name is Ward Horton, which is just an incredible name.
1: (laughs) Do we know his wife from anything? She been anything? I've never seen her before.
0: Annabelle Wallace, yes.
1: Is she her name is. Annabelle?
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Oh my uh-huh. god. Yeah. I mean she's been in a couple of things, but she was uh, more recently she was the I guess love interest. I never actually saw the movie, but the new mummy. Oh, I didn't You know how see there's it. there's the mummy. <laughs> And then there's the blonde chick that he's with. That's that's her. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Yes,
0: her name is Annabelle. The characters' names, by the way, are John and Mia. And supposedly, those are named for Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes. For the passing similarities between this and Rosemary's Baby. Okay. There are passing similarities. Okay. Um, not... It's not a retelling of that story. And why did they decide to name their
1: daughter Leah? Which
0: is so
1: Mia and Leah, guys. Yeah, and they're not even spelled the same. Smelled?
0: Smelled? They're not even spelled the same way. Like it, uh, it's weird. I don't know why you would do that. (laughs) I saw somebody. I was not able to corroborate this, so just keep that in mind. But I saw somebody had said something about how she calls out Leah's name some seventy something times, which is like a record of calling out a person's (laughs) name by another individual. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no. doesn't quite hit 70 times. <laughs> but the point is, is that we have a young couple, they're gonna have a baby, they end up moving into an apartment where there's a Satanist thing going on in the subplot, and they're, you can hear their neighbors through the walls, in this case through the ceiling, and that's kind of about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the devil wants the baby. Well,
0: I said there was a Satanic element to it. Okay.
1: And there's kind of an underlying theme going on with the wife here. And it starts here and then you'll see it throughout the rest of the film. I think the wife doesn't really like religion.
0: Yeah, she doesn't really, it doesn't really resonate for her.
1: She seems very, like, at least in the woman's performance, it feels like this character goes to church because she feels like she should. And that's the right thing to do. But she has an aversion to it for some reason. Yeah. But so... She's playing thumb war with her husband. and Yeah,
0: they're just like playing footsie, but with their hands, basically.
1: And their neighbors see this and think it's adorable. Uh-huh. And they're so excited for her to have to be pregnant. But when they leave, she says, we shouldn't be talking about the pregnancy in front of them. Their names are Sharon and Pete, which is definitely because... What happens next? Okay, so we find out that they have a daughter, and their daughter has taken off to be with some cult. Later that evening, Mia will be watching TV, and she hears all about the murder.
0: The Sharon Tate murders, The
1: Sharon Tate murder, and the people she had at her house. And it's a very famous murder. I'm sure you all know about it. It's the one that got put onto Manson's shoulders, even though Manson... Actually, had nothing to do with that murder, aside from the people wanting to impress Manson.
0: Yeah, don't get us wrong; he's a fucking nut job.
1: Oh, he killed people. Yeah. <laughs> like, he killed people he's after responsible
0: that. Responsible for deaths, yes. Yeah, but he
1: did not have anything to do with the Sharon murder. But that's what he's famous for,
0: uh-huh.
1: oddly enough. Uh-huh. Because you just you got to do your own research about it, guys. <laughs> um. Anyway, as I was saying. Sharon and Pete, these characters, have a daughter who's gone off and joined a cult, okay? And that's why Mia didn't want to speak in front of them about the child, because she felt bad that their daughter had taken off. Uh-huh. Later that evening, we'll get an interesting shot, which was hard for Chris to understand what was going on.
0: Okay, let me explain this.
1: <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'm
0: going to talk about something called the Kuleshov effect, Okay. The Kuleshov effect is its a very basic part of film editing. And the idea is, is that when you make a cut between two different shots, the viewer's mind will build a relationship between those two things. It is the most basic element of editing, called the Kuleshov effect, after Lev Kuleshov, who was a Russian filmmaker in the early 1900s. So... We see out the window something going on. We see the neighbor lady, Sharon, yelling at somebody. Like maybe it's Sharon. I don't know. We see it, it is.
1: It's Sharon in the bed. We hear a scream, and then we see blood splatter.
0: Well then Yes, somebody leaves the bed to the left of the window, and then and then Sharon is on the right side of the window, and then blood comes. So that's the dad getting killed then. Yes. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And then that dude comes at And then the guy comes at Wow, that makes so much more sense. But that's not what I'm talking about. That (laughs) was weird. There was no edit there. It was just really far away. And that wakes Mia up. And Mia is like, hey, John, wake up. I heard screaming from next door. Can you go check it out? And they made a point about how, she made a point earlier about how their front door was unlocked when they got home. And he's like, why would I? And yes, that was very much the culture at the time. Why would you?
1: She says the times are changing. Yeah.
0: But anyway, this night she sends him out across the street and then she goes out to the patio. And then we see her look out across the street. We get a close-up of her eyes looking across the street. And then we get a shot of a house filmed direct on in the same direction she's looking from across the street, which implies... Because of the Kuleshov effect, it implies that we are seeing her point of view. But we're not. We're seeing their house from across the street. And, she, and then she moves in the image and you're like, oh, wait, whoa, what? what's happening here? It's such a minor thing. But the reason I bring it up is because the director of this movie, John R. Leonetti, is a cinematographer by trade. This is his fucking job and that's it's something that's super simple and he got completely wrong. I had no problem understanding what was going on. It's not that I didn't have a it's not that I had a problem understanding it. I did understand it once I realized she was in the image cuz she's really small in that image. But she walks out, she looks across the street, we see a picture of her eyes and then we cut to an image of a of a house we've never seen from this angle before. Where the, the camera is across the street. That implies that the camera is her. It was not. <laughs> Leonetti should know better than this. And I, I, I'm baffled that it's in the movie. Anyway, what happens when John goes to investigate? He doesn't come back. She's sitting on the patio. She's looking around. She's all alone. Which is what this camera shot, I think, is supposed to suggest. Is her isolation in this moment? Trying too many things at the same time fucks it up. Then she goes next door to see where John is and why hasn't he come back. And he comes out and he's covered in blood and he's panicking. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, it's not my blood. It's not my blood. Get across the street and call the call the police.
1: Or go home and call the police. Yes, go home. That, sorry,
0: does. that's not across the street. Yes, go home and call the police. So she goes next door. So in the time where she goes.
1: I forgot that she went over to their yeah. house.
0: Yeah. So by the time she goes and sees John, he tells her to go back. She does go back home next door. To call the police, the killers are already in her house. So she calls the police.
1: I'd also like to point out here, people, that her hair and makeup are perfect. Perfect. Like, not a single strand is out of place. Uh And the woman in the background, we'll find out, is the hippie daughter. Which seems odd, because she doesn't look like a hippie. She looks like the ring girl. Yeah. (laughs) But sure. And she's holding her doll for... For well, we find out why actually it's it's actually very similar to Chucky. She does the symbol on the wall, uh-huh, and then when she dies, I think because her husband attacks her, her blood. Drips onto the doll.
0: Oh, di- is that what
1: happened? And that's how the devil got put into
0: the doll. But the devil's not in the doll! That's what we learned from the conjuring. Because it's its conduit. No, the conduit, what it means is it's using it as a method of getting to the humans, not as a conduit to the real world. You sure about that? Yes. They say, I think the
1: implication with the blood dripping onto the doll is that he's connected to the doll in that he has to stay within a certain no, no, no. limit of where the doll is. The
0: point is the doll was used as a conduit to get to them to make them think it was possessed, as in it wasn't actually possessed. I know the doll's
1: not Possessed.
0: You're saying, no, I have an answer for this. You're saying, okay, well, it's attached to the doll now.
1: Like, it okay, has to be within then what a certain about,
0: parameter. What about it? all the times that it's in a completely different place from the doll? Remember when the doll is upstairs and then the, the demon right. appears in the we basement? We don't
1: know how many miles it can be. Away <laughs> what from
0: the fuck the doll? is the point of even establishing that? I don't it's because know. you need to get Annabelle in this story. That's the, the only reason. The doll's name is
1: not Annabelle.
0: Exactly.
1: It's the girl who dies. Her name was Annabelle.
0: Here's the thing. The only reason we think this doll is named Annabelle in the first place <laughs> is because a psychic lied a year from now. It just <laughs> made up a fucking name.
1: Well, but also the woman, who, the girl who dies, the hippie daughter, yeah. her name was Annabelle. No, that's my
0: point. <laughs> They're retroactively tying it into the name Annabelle, but that psychic who... Obviously lied and made it up because her story isn't true. That means she made up the name Annabelle too. That's
1: not what the Warrens said. What'd they say? The Warrens implied that the ghost lied to the medium. And the medium didn't know.
0: Ah, okay.
1: That's what the Warrens said. Right, but here
0: but the ghost isn't a ghost, it's a demon. It's It's not Annabelle.
1: Right but the demon is using the name Annabelle because apparently that name is easily used.
0: Significant to the demon?
1: (laughs) Because Annabelle's the one that brought him here. So he's like, cool, Annabelle, I'm gonna use your name.
0: It's dumb. This movie could have been so much better if they just, it doesn't even tell the story of the fucking nurses. (laughs) Like, let's skip to the end here. The end of the movie is the mom buying the doll. For the nurses. Yes. We don't, it's, there's another prequel in here.
1: It all came full circle.
0: (laughs) It told a story we didn't even know existed, and we weren't even curious about. (laughs) Unnecessarily, in order to shove this into the Conjuring universe. Yes. Ugh. Anyway.
1: We haven't explained why they have the doll, so let's do that. Okay. This woman is obsessed with collecting porcelain dolls. Now that is fine. Kelsey it is says
0: that she looks at her own porcelain dolls. <laughs> I have
1: I have 4. It was uh-huh. not a collection. This woman has them all around the entire baby's room, which yes. by the way, this is 1969, okay? Gender norms were very much alive, and the fact that they don't know if it's going to be a girl or a boy and the husband is okay with her just putting dolls in the baby's it's, room.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: That was hard for me to well, believe. Well, that's the
0: thing is that if you didn't know that there was a baby. If there wasn't a crib and a mobile, which plays the song of the music box from The Conjuring, by the way, for no reason, no just good as reason. a callback, yes, um, you would think that this is our this is our doll collection room. Like that's it, the entire room is built in such a way as to show off all these dolls.
1: Yes, but so the doll because I don't know what to call her because her name's not Annabelle and I refuse to call her that because yeah. that's not her name and it really frustrated me. Okay. I have these dolls, and guess what? Each of them has a name, and I did not come up with the name. The name comes with the doll. You know uh-huh. why? Because they are collector's items. Yeah. Okay? You they refer each... to them by their name. Yes. So this doll most certainly has a name, and we never get to learn it because they so desperately can't let go of the Annabelle Like, that's why you came. That's what you think you came for. Yes.
0: And they ended up feeding you something completely different. And now (laughs) they need to justify that. So they can't call it any other name other than Annabelle.
1: But so this doll is apparently really hard to find a rare item and like worth a lot. So it's what also, they will
0: do later makes no sense. It's also part of a set. Yes. And it's completely the wrong size for all the other dolls in this set.
1: Well, there's only three of them. And I think they're each, they get
0: bigger as they go. You think? It's. Is I it, think they established that this doll was this size. Yes. And then they realized that this does not make sense.
1: It's over the top. It yes. is.
0: Yes. Yes. Because we all know Annabelle, the original Annabelle was just a Raggedy Ann doll, yes. which we see in the secondhand shop when the mom buys the other doll. We see oh, do a, a Raggedy we? Ann doll on the on the shelf. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she's really excited that she has this new doll. But now the night of these murders,
1: do we want to mention the fact that she's kind of a bitch, Mia? Yes. In what way? We get this whole scene between her and her husband, where her husband is just totally perfect and <sighs> super super sweet. And kind and apologizing, and she's just mad about every little thing that he does. You
0: point out – you pointed out that – okay, it's not James Wan because he didn't actually make this. Apparently, he did direct one scene, but he didn't make this. He didn't write it. But you pointed out that in this universe, it has a habit of making the husbands, like, perfect men.
1: Yes. And the women – As the ones who are usually experiencing the thing. Uh
0: Are the hysterical ones.
1: They're usually the hysterical ones. And ordinarily, men write that off. But in these Uh universes, the men are always super, super comforting. Yeah, And that's fine. I'm fine with that aspect of it. No, the men are
0: great. And it's refreshing to see these really positive role models in men. It's awesome. Uh, The one, the, the example we use... All the time for an understanding husband (laughs) when he's not going through what the wife is going through is the one from Insidious, (laughs) where What's-His-Face says, I moved houses for you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He sells his house and moves into a different one because his wife thinks it's haunted. Now, she's right, but he doesn't know that. But yes, so they have a habit of making these men perfect. And John is fucking perfect. Yes. There's nothing wrong with this man. Even even when he says something that she, like a total bitch purposefully takes the wrong way.
1: I think he's talking, because he's like a new doctor in the middle of his residency, and she's pregnant. Yeah. And he's talking about the fact that this is going to be a hard, difficult challenge, and that makes her really upset. Yeah, she's
0: like, oh, are we a challenge? You know, like, that's her response. And it's like, bitch, you know what he meant. But then he comes in, and he apologizes like the perfect husband that he is, and explains his thinking and defuses the situation, and then she gets to have been upset for no good reason for a while. And I guess we just write it off as, you know, oh, she's a pregnant woman.
1: So that's the night when the whole murder thing happens. And I don't know if I said this or if we already kept it in, but we can add it now. Mm. The daughter, the hippie daughter, Annabelle. Has murdered her parents and had an accomplice, but we never really learn anything about that dude. Yeah. She dies holding the doll and she's made a demonic symbol on the wall and her blood will drip from her face to the doll's face.
0: Yeah. And what happens? Indicating
1: a connection. Yeah.
0: What happens to Mia and John is that Mia gets attacked, she gets stabbed. In her stomach, but on the side, so we don't know exactly what's happened. But she's obviously staggered and she can't move. John comes back, attacks the guy, and they're in a fight, and he gets the shit beat out of him by this man. And as and as Mia is sitting there holding her side and she's all dazed and she can't tell what's going on, the cops come and kill the guy that's on top of John. Now, John's fine. Mia ends up being fine as well but she gets a bed rest order from the doctor because the sack has not been punctured, the baby's fine, you're fine, but any stress can cause this to rupture, so just stay in bed. And that's what she's going to have to do. And as she gets carted out of the the house, by the way, that's when she sees Annabelle holding Annabelle and make that connection. And you see the the sign of the ram or whatever it is on the on the wall.
1: When they get home, she makes him promise to save the baby instead of her if push comes to
0: shove but if something does happen what what's gonna happen when back when i go into labor john
1: mia you'll save the baby over me come on we have to talk about it i mean i can't have anything ever happen to You promised me. You promised me you saved the baby. Yeah,
0: yeah, I promise. But you know what? It's gonna be okay. You are gonna be fine. I'm really surprised that they did this just this one time and it felt reasonable. It came right after a moment when that could have been an issue, so we should probably be talking about this now. And they don't, like, really heavy-handedly make a call back to that conversation they dialogue. will
1: call it back later, though.
0: Well, it becomes an issue. Right. But they don't go like, hey, remember when I said? Mm-hmm. They don't do that, which is which I thought was surprisingly subtle on the filmmaker's part.
1: I, I'll say it right now. At, at this point in the film, I was thinking, yeah, it's a little lazy on their part to use the Sharon Tate murder as, you know, their the inspiration yeah. here. But sure. that Otherwise, I was actually okay with it. The next scene is where I start where I started to notice a downward trend. Uh-huh. This film wants you to think that sewing machines are terrifying.
0: Yeah. I mean
1: it's They're a, not.
0: <laughs> it was a similar sort of thing as Child's Play 2 where there's the sewing machine and you think something's gonna happen with the sewing machine, and it doesn't really.
1: Sewing machine in Child's Play? Yeah,
0: Joanne has a sewing machine. She's at the sewing machine when she's murdered, but we never see it.
1: I guess. But she's
0: constantly using that sewing machine and like... But this movie... Oh, look, I made this for Kyle.
1: Will use the sewing machine... Yeah. ...as the only way to set up tension sometimes. Yes. And I'm like, I'm staring at a sewing machine that can't move, that can't do anything. And if I get hurt... What's the worst it can do? It can prick my finger, and the movie proves me right. Uh-huh. Later, when she finally does get injured oh, yeah. by it, and it is a prick of
0: the finger. And why does it ever happen? Is it because the sewing machine is haunted? No, it's because she's watching a soap opera. She's not paying attention. This is not horror movie tension. What the fuck?
1: Like it will have that that sound. Yeah. And it'll keep zooming in on the sewing machine as if I'm supposed to be scared of it. And there's I'm like, one time do you want me to laugh at
0: you? It sets up that you should be scared of the sewing machine because <laughs> one time it's going off in the middle of the night. Yes. And then John unplugs it and it stops. <laughs> and there's a whole tense scene about, oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? It's ridiculous. It
1: is real ridiculous. They will start to notice that the doll falls on the floor. And it's like okay, I'll put it in this chair, and then they'll notice that the chair. Oh, it rocks on its own. Yes, and uh, you might be thinking that, uh oh, uh oh, they're gonna break the rule. They're gonna make the doll be haunted. Yeah, but no, no, no. Apparently. The demon that is using it as a conduit just wants to rock it.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. I guess just kind of bored to, and fidgety. I
1: guess it's supposed to scare the people. I don't know why he wants to scare them. And we not see the stuff he's
0: capable of. Yeah, I don't why? understand. anyway,
1: he makes the TV act up a lot. It seems like this demon just kind of wants to fuck with these people. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. I'm
1: fuck with your TV. Oh God! There's a scene here where she decides. He brings home food for her because, you know, she can't go anywhere. And she's super excited about two things that he bought her. Do you know what those two things were?
0: Pickles and mustard.
1: The two worst things on the planet.
0: Right, but it's stereotypical that... Pregnant women have strange cravings and pickles and mustard are one of those things. Pickles with ice cream is another big thing. Disgusting. It's a weird it's a weird concept but again, he's the perfect husband who thought of all this stuff before she even knew she wanted it.
1: Yes. But because the doll's been doing these weird things, she tells him, I would like you to get rid of the doll. This doll, which, by the way, remember, it took him a long time to find. She, the collector, couldn't even find it. He probably had to spend a lot of money on this item. Yeah. Him, being the perfect husband, doesn't get upset about this. Just says, consider it gone. And what does he do with it?
0: He just tosses it in the trash can outside. I mean, I know you can't exactly put that shit on eBay, (laughs) But take it to, like, a consignment store or something.
1: Pawn shop, anything. (laughs) Why would you just throw it away? So confused. Uh A cop will show up and give them some information about the demonic cult, but she'll basically tell him, shut up, I don't want to hear about it.
0: Yeah. He comes back later for one scene. So John, they're, they're still living in Santa Monica in that same house, by the way, by the beach. John has... A new job prospect, but he's gonna need to travel for a day.
1: Up to Sacramento.
0: Up to Sacramento, which is weird because that new job prospect is in Pasadena. Right? And if you know anything about Southern California, Pasadena and Santa Monica are far enough away that it's an inconvenient drive, but it's not a day you have to spend somewhere else. So why would you go up to Sacramento? I can't remember. I'm sure they said, oh, that's where the home base of this string of hospitals is or something like that. It's important that you know Santa Monica and Pasadena are the two important locations. Mm-hmm. Santa Monica is where their house is. Santa Monica is where the church is. And he's going to be gone for a day doing this interview to see if he gets the position at the Pasadena hospital. So she's alone. The previous night, he tried to make popcorn. popcorn. But she
1: fell asleep.
0: And so he's like, uh... Fuck it, and he just didn't do it. Right? He turned but it off. But
1: what did he do with the popcorn? He
0: left it on the stove. <laughs> so the next night, when she's alone, the stove just turns on, and all the burners turn on, and then the popcorn starts popping. But she's listening to her stories. I think she's sewing too. Right at the same time in her I think bedroom, so. yeah. And so she doesn't hear that the popcorn's popping, which is okay, fine.
1: This is when she pricks her finger. Yeah. And I wrote, wow, big
0: fucking deal. Yeah. <laughs> but the more important threat is happening because as soon as that bag bursts, it goes up in flames and Kitchen's it starts to fire. set the kitchen on fire. She smells something. That's how she tells something is going on. And she goes out there. She's like, ah, fuck. And she screams for help and she runs and she trips. Trips and, and falls. she falls right on her stomach. Yeah. And then as she's trying to crawl away, she gets Yanked back by some unseen force that pulls her back towards the fire. But shortly after that, some neighbors come running in and pull her out of the burning house.
1: And her baby was born.
0: Yes. We see John come running into the hospital and the baby was born. Kelsey, do you know who was holding that baby? No. So John comes running in and all he sees is Mia and we can tell Mia's not pregnant anymore. But like... She just looks like normal Mia. And it's like, that's not how that works. (laughs) Um, And he's like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And she keeps telling him, look behind you. He turns around and he sees a nurse holding the baby. Yeah. That nurse is one of the nurses from that intro scene from The Conjuring, which is a connection that's kind of fun, but utterly pointless. Yes. (laughs) So they had the baby. The baby is fine. Even though it was born prematurely, it was born through a traumatic experience. It made it out okay.
1: Yes. And she says, the house is cursed. I want to move out. And he says, that's okay. I got the job in Pasadena.
0: I moved houses for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he got this brand new awesome job. This does not make any sense. He got this brand new high paying job. They move from Santa Monica, where they own a house next to the beach. (laughs) And they move to Pasadena, which is mainly suburban. And they move into an apartment. He's making a fuck ton more money, and they're moving to a cheaper area, and they move from a house to an apartment, and now they have a baby. What the fuck? I have no idea. It's a weird choice. And yes, they do drive back to Santa Monica to go to church every week.
1: That is a thing. It's fine.
0: It's fine. Like I said, it's an inconvenient drive. It's not a long drive.
1: (laughs) But yes, they do go to church, and they see the priest. And again, she priest seems is like,
0: oh, uh, mother is the closest thing to God because they're the only ones that can share in God's creation.
1: And again, she just kind of seems to have this aversion, which they will never go into.
0: No, she, she thinks the priest is creepy.
1: Back at their house. We find out that this woman is certainly not a doll collector.
0: Yeah. She's just like tossing these dolls around and shit. She,
1: <laughs> she apparently packed her porcelain dolls Porcelain breaks, people. She just stacked them in a box with nothing. She didn't put paper around their faces. She didn't put bubble wrap in there. Nothing. And they're all just leaning on each other. Yep. My dolls that I have taken pretty fucking good care of, their head pieces, like not their heads, but like the things that are in their hair, those mm. fall off now just because of how delicate those things are.
0: Yeah. I understand. Not a doll
1: collector. Uh
0: Just just the little things that they're not paying attention to here.
1: What does she discover in the box?
0: The doll that we will not be calling Annabelle.
1: (laughs) That's right. And it's all dirty. And John walks in.
0: And he's like, what the fuck? I threw that away. (laughs) And she's like, you know what? It's fine. Kind of like when Andy tried to prove that he wasn't scared of Chucky. Like, you know what? I can't be afraid of this thing my whole life, or whatever, we're we're just gonna deal with it. It's okay, I wanna keep her. Wait a sec, how how did that get in there? I swear I threw it out. I
1: don't know. Things must have got mixed up after the fire.
0: Here, give her to me.
1: No. No. You gave her to me as a gift. Like Father Perez said, we should celebrate our strength, right? You sure? Yeah. Does nothing to clean it.
0: No, either. it stays dirty.
1: Not a doll collector. Okay, so.
0: For much of the rest of the movie, John's going to be gone at the hospital, conveniently leaving Mia alone.
1: Yes. The TV goes out again. We see Creepy Lady walking in the background again.
0: Creepy Lady being Annabelle, the woman.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Annabelle being creepy in the background.
0: She's a ghost that does nothing in this entire movie, except look creepy. <laughs>
1: She wakes up because the baby's crying. Right. But, but nothing shopping
0: with the baby, and she walks down the stairs. Now, just real quick, I'll get this out of the way now. There is a later scene, which is apparently the one that James Wan directed, that involves an elevator. Why the fuck is she carrying this baby down the stairs if there's an elevator?
1: I don't know. But who does she encounter on these stairs?
0: These two kids.
1: These two kids will never come up again. No. But we'll get, like, messages from
0: them. One more time. But not from them. No, no, yeah. This has nothing to do with the plot. Okay, so I already said that the stairs don't make any sense why you would have stairs and an elevator and why you would carry your baby with nothing. You know, you just got her strapped into one of those things down the stairs. Why wouldn't you take the elevator? But you pass by these kids and they she has this whole interaction with these kids and the, the little boy is like, you know, stranger danger, stranger danger. And the little girl he, he keeps needing to stop her from giving away their personal information or whatever. And she's like, well, that's okay. Maybe someday we'll get to know each other a little bit better and we won't be strangers anymore. And she goes, she leaves. While she's shopping, who does she meet?
1: Alfrey Woodard.
0: Yes. Who is a bookstore owner who goes to their church. <laughs> I don't think she goes to her church. I saw her at that church. They she's run into there, her. They run but, into her at the that's church. That's right.
1: That's right. Because at the time we both were like, uh-oh, she's following them. Uh-huh. Because it doesn't make any sense that she goes to their church. Yeah,
0: remember, she just happens to go to their church and just happens to have a bookstore within walking distance of their apartment.
1: Well, lives in their apartment building.
0: Oh, you're right. In Pasadena. Yes. Yeah.
1: Things don't make sense. <laughs>
0: So, but anyway, Alfrey Woodard is incredibly nice. But you think it can go in one of two ways, really. They can go the cliche route. Which they do. Yes. Which is she's just a supportive woman who's there for another woman in danger. And that's kind of what the role she's going to play. She's another mother and she has her own tragic story. Or they can go the what a twist route and make her one of the demonic. The head villains. of the cult. Yes. Because they keep showing the fact that there are these culty books in her bookshop. Yeah. They keep going back to that. But she's just really open-minded is all. She's very religious, but also really open-minded. And so she gives Mia a a free book. It's like a gift. Welcome.
1: It was my daughter's favorite book. Mm -hmm. So she gets home and she finds these drawings that she thinks the little boy made for her.
0: Remember, walking up the stairs in a building with an elevator, which is not bizarre, but she does both things. She'll use the elevator later on and she can't. Well, she a baby. uses
1: that to go down into the basement. Maybe that's the only way to get down to the basement, but that would be a fire hazard if I ever heard of one. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> There's no way that's the only way down to the basement. There is an exit door that she tries to get out of, remember?
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyway. Those pesky exit doors always yes. in dangerous positions.
0: So she goes, she goes up the stairs and she sees one of the drawings that were left behind by the kid. And it is of her and the baby in the stroller. And, you know, it's got that thing that I definitely did when I was a kid where the sky is just a blue strip at the top. I absolutely did that because, oh, the blue is above us. Right? You just don't. Yeah. Anyway. And then there's a green truck. That is often the distance kind of headed towards them. And this kid is pretty good at drawing perspective, I got to say, for not understanding how the sky works. And then she keeps walking and she finds another one. And the truck is closer. And then we see one flutter down and the truck is even closer. And eventually she finds one where the truck has hit the stroller with the baby in it.
1: Again, the movie is using children's drawings uh-huh. to create tension about something that's not happening in the moment. Yes. <laughs> like, I I cannot tell you how poorly this movie understands what tension is. Yeah.
0: So then they have a a reasonable conversation where John's like, so do we tell their parents? And then Mia's like, well, you know what? If Leah did this, I'd want to know. So let's just have a conversation. We never see that conversation. We never see the kids ever again.
1: Nope. Never comes up again. Nope. Well, kind of, but not really.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there will be a time. We can talk about this now, I guess, when Mia is taking Leah home and she sees who she, what she thinks is Annabelle in a reflection in the front door of their building. And then the stroller.
1: Wait, Annabelle or the doll? No,
0: the Annabelle, Annabelle, the woman.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: And the, the stroller starts rolling away into the street just as this guy is coming down. And, oh God. And then he hits it. And then you realize that, Oh no, she got to, she got to the stroller, scooped the baby out, but didn't stop the stroller. And then the stroller got hit.
1: No. I I wondered if you would get confused about this because it's not done well at all.
0: Oh, the baby was in her hands the whole time? Her, the
1: baby was in her hands the entire time. Oh, okay. See, earlier when she saw Annabelle in the window, Annabelle was holding her baby.
0: Oh, because that's her holding that her baby. It's
1: supposed to be her? But Annabelle doesn't want her! This
0: director is a cinematographer!
1: And... <laughs>
0: he should be able to tell stories using visuals.
1: And when the carriage is hit... By the truck, what ends up coming out are a bunch of books. And then surprise twist, she's holding the baby. Oh, I
0: didn't see the books.
1: Yeah. And I'm just like, this is a pointless scene. Mm-hmm.
0: This is pointless. Oh, it's just cool. to show us that the prophecy came true of those drawings made by those kids that, again, we will never see. So that that let's just put a cap on that. <laughs> that. That part of the story is completely done with.
1: So when she's having the conversation with her husband about the drawings, he thinks that she's getting herself all worked up over nothing, you know, and he feels bad for her that she's stuck inside all the time with the baby. So, you know what? I will come home early tomorrow. We'll have a nice adult dinner, adult conversation. It'll be all lovely. Cut to that night, and a song is playing that I love that Chris does not like. I was like,
0: oh, this is a garbage song.
1: Cherish is the word that I used to
0: describe. No, hate it. I hate this song. Those lyrics are stupid. And the way they sing them is stupid. And it's formatted in such a way that no human being would actually talk that way. I like it. It's like they're bending over backwards to put it to a melody that I already don't like. It's a bad song. I like it. I understand.
1: So at dinner, he's not there, the music is playing, so out of frustration, she decides to go and turn the music off. And I had to point this out to Chris, because I'm used to looking for this in James Wan movies, although as Chris will remind me, it's not a James Wan movie. So Uh, I was expecting things like this, uh always looking around the room for hidden things, and what did I find? I don't remember. A demonic shadow oh, behind yes. the curtain.
0: Yes, she she's in the baby's room, and yeah, she's fussed, she's she's the with the with the baby too, and yeah, there is a demonic shadow. And then, in from one cut to the next cut, whoever is the script supervisor wasn't paying attention to the way that the the window dressings were because they're completely different and <laughs> from one shot to the next. And she goes up <laughs> right is it up possible to it.
1: They're different rooms.
0: No, this is literally the same scene, same window. Because she walks up to it, and then the big gust of wind comes in and attacks her. She's like, attacked by wind.
1: Legend of Hell House. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Except that you was- You
1: liked that, by the way.
0: No, okay. <laughs> Maybe me saying attacked by wind is a little bit- They're just- The wind kind of blows the, the sheet at her, and she goes, oh! Roddy McDowell in Legend of Hell House- <laughs> Had to struggle against the wind that was trying to fling him across the room. There is a difference.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure she gets thrust to the ground. Yeah. And then then we see a shot that Chris thought was
0: super cool. I don't remember it. Where a little
1: girl runs at her and then turns into Annabelle. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah,
0: so... So she sees a little girl in the room uh, across. So so she's inside the room. Mia fall
1: into the ground because yeah. the wind has pushed her down.
0: But she's getting back up, and <laughs> and what she sees is she's in the baby's room. The door to the baby's room that leads out to the hallway is open. It, like, swings open on its own, and it reveals this little girl who is across the hall from the from the opening of this doorway in, like, the living room or whatever it is. And as the door starts to swing shut on its own again, the little girl comes charging at her, and the door covers the girl, and, and when the girl hits the door and knocks it open, it's fully grown Annabelle comes chasing after her. And just the sequence of events I thought was really kind of neat. (laughs) And it just, it's not just a jump scare for jump scare's sake because she does actually immediately attack Mia. And then obviously she doesn't have to run. So it's kind of halfway between a good jump scare and a bad jump scare. But
1: then nothing. Yes. Nothing happens.
0: She attacks her and she freaks out or whatever. Yes. But I mean, it's not just a bah like they do a lot.
1: (laughs) Well, that night her husband is very concerned, and finally says, "I think we. I think you should talk to someone. I'm not saying you're crazy. We don't even have to go to a shrink if you don't want. We can always go to the priest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they go to the church. Oh, I don't. I do. I did. I skip something here because right. I wrote, "Go to the church." And then the next thing I have is her in the basement dealing with the demon. So did anything happen at the church or did he just say, let's go to the church?
0: No, I I don't know which order it happens in and it's not really important, but they go to the church and the priest says, you know, something like, hey, you know what? You guys have gone through some overly traumatic shit. It's more than most people have to deal with and... You're, you've come out the other end, so you're obviously very strong individuals, and you're going to have to lean on your the strength of each other to get through this this next thing. It's kind of just platitudes, but he's also like trying to build them up so they can get through it. So I can see why it's a good thing. But he doesn't really give them anything important that they can do anything with. So yes, this is the James Wan basement scene where she's taking things and she's putting it in storage.
1: Cue the baby carriage.
0: Yeah. Cue the baby baby screaming. Carriage. She gets grabbed by an arm.
1: We see some blood. Uh, then there's creepy silence. And yes, a hand will grab her. Uh-huh. And what does it do? It
0: leaves the mark of the ram on her.
1: Which was the same mark that Annabelle left on the wall when she died and bled onto uh-huh. the doll. Yeah. Which is why the demon is connected to the doll. <laughs>
0: Where's Annabelle in this scene? Because the demon's down here.
1: Hanging out in their bedroom. (laughs) This is my point.
0: I wrote down, the movie is trying so hard to make the doll the scary focus of their troubles, but it's very obviously not. The doll was clearly moved by the demon. At one point, Mia sees it. She saw the demon just holding the doll up. And the demon has moved other things too. So, from Mia's perspective, why would the doll be the focus of their troubles? Because she saw the demon, she saw it move other things, she saw it in places where the doll wasn't. Because the movie knows that you
1: paid to see the yes, doll.
0: Exactly. So anyway, there's this segment where the she
1: elevator. runs to the
0: elevator and she hits the door and it closes and then it opens back up and she's still downstairs.
1: And this was possibly the creepiest part. It is. And it has the most tension. And it
0: breaks the rule of threes. So you because have expectations and then they don't, are fu- they're not fulfilled? Because apparently this, this wasn't the directed by one. Yeah, anyone uh-huh. The door, but the door keeps opening up and there's even one time where it moves. She's like, oh, finally it moves. And then it opens up and it, she's still downstairs. Yes. And it's cool so she she tries to James Wan to run to why the did exit. you let
1: them touch your fucking
0: franchise <laughs> <laughs> And here let's be clear we're not like we're not like James Wan acolytes we don't obsess over the guy or anything like that but we like the original Conjuring we like the first two Insidious movies but we can tell you the first Saw was okay and we had absolutely zero interest in seeing the rest of them we have never seen another Saw movie
1: But he didn't do any of the other ones did he Right but he
0: created the Saw franchise I think he directed a lot of them Oh did he let me see.
1: I thought he only did the first one.
0: Let me see. Dead Silence. Oh, that's before he got big, I guess. He directed Furious Seven, The Conjuring Two, Aquaman, Aquaman Two, he's directing. Yeah, so he only did the first song and and that's it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. No wonder we're not in any hurry to see those other saw movies. Right. <laughs> Maybe we do just like <laughs> James Wan. We do
1: like James One, but <laughs> but he did do Conjuring Two, right?
0: Yeah, and I liked Conjuring 2, you didn't. So we're kind of, it's an okay movie is on that one.
1: <laughs> but so, what happens? The elevator won't go up, so what's she forced to do?
0: She run to the exit, back inside the the basement storage area, to go run to the exit.
1: And the demon makes some scratching noises with his claws, just like Freddy does. Uh-huh.
0: She has to run up the stairs There's now. There's banging
1: up the stairs, uh-huh. coming after her. Again... Like, these things are pretty basic. You're building tension by telling me that something is chasing after her. You're not mm-hmm. building tension by having me stare at a sewing machine.
0: Yeah. Well, Jesus. She ends up getting to the top, but she can definitely hear that the demon is chasing after her. And this is the
1: one thing that Juan's not good at. It's the one thing that's well, faltering here. Hold on.
0: She looks down the stairs and she's just waiting for this thing to appear that she can hear coming up the stairs. And then all of a sudden it bah, jump scare pops down from the ceiling and we see it head on face to face like it's trying to recreate the lipstick face demon moment from the first Insidious movie that everyone has been trying to recreate ever since then because it's one of the very few good jump scares that don't lead to immediate action. Because generally speaking, if you just have a jump scare and nothing comes afterwards, it's a bad jump scare. But for some reason, something about that lipstick face demon in the first Insidious movie got literally everyone. I think because it surprised us because it seemed like it really did come out of nowhere. There was no tension build up. Mm-hmm. It's just like, ah, and everyone's Jesus Christ. <laughs> so ever since then, people have been trying to recreate that moment. And this seems to be one of those times.
1: Okay. That's not what I'm talking about, because I don't have a problem with jump scares. I'm fine with them. No, my problem is James Wan's tendency to just use CG. Oh. He just loves CG. And I'm like, I don't... That didn't need to be CG. You could have given me a dude in makeup. Isn't it a dude in makeup? It's too shiny. It's too blue. It doesn't look like it's actually there. There might be
0: a pass on it of computer. Yeah. uh It looks
1: too glossy. Yeah. I hate that look because sometimes James Wan
0: So yes, like the, his
1: demons typically look like they're not really there, you know what I mean?
0: Right, but the demon is played by that same guy. So the composer of all these movies, his name is Joseph Bishara. We've talked about him in the past when we did the Conjuring movies. He's the composer. He also cuz he looks creepy, they get him <laughs> in a lot of these movies and so yeah, he's the lipstick-faced demon.
1: Well, I'm thinking he's of, He's Bathsheba
0: like, from The Conjuring.
1: I'm thinking of, like, The Crooked Man.
0: Yeah, oh, okay, kind, I see what that you're kind saying. Of look, yeah, that, from that the second Conjuring movie? It doesn't Conjuring look movie? like
1: it's there. There's uh-huh. just something wrong with it. It doesn't... Is that a person in makeup? Am I wrong?
0: The The, the Crooked Man?
1: No, um
0: this dude, do you know? Yeah, no, I'm telling you, it's that dude. Right. But,
1: but yeah, but it's an actor. I mean, they had, didn't have they had an actor for the crooked man too. What I'm saying is, did they put CG over him?
0: I I assume they did. But the crooked man is Javier Botet, who's in a lot of these sorts of movies. He's just a very tall, lanky guy. He was the he's the leper in the it movie. He's been in a lot of things. It has that sheen to it. Sure
1: not okay (laughs) so because all this shit is happening to her she decides to call up the cop and I'm bringing this up because he's the one that will tell her more information he tells her that they were known as the disciples of the ram and all this stuff but I love his response because she's asking him more and more questions and he's like well because this is all just a bunch of hocus pocus And this is when she decides to go to the bookstore to learn more about demons and stuff, and she will run into
0: Woodard again. Alfred Woodard. And what does she tell her? Well, she's very supportive, and and Mia is like, finally admits, I think my house is haunted. And she's like, well, come over here to aisle three. We have (laughs) books all about that, and she's going to help her out. She's not judgmental at all. No. They end up spending some time together, and- it's a very kind of cute relationship. We learn that Alfrey Woodard had a daughter who died in a car accident. We don't learn the details of that accident yet, and she would have been about Mia's age. So, Alfrey Woodard kind of sort of adopts a motherly role in this relationship.
1: Right. And she tells her you do whatever you think is right to protect, protect your family. Protect your family. Yes. This is when the whole thing will happen with the truck which is why her carriage is filled with books. Yes. So that night, books 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 man, what happens to the baby? This is when the demon decides that the best way to kill the baby is to throw books at it.
0: Oh my god, you're right. So it locks Mia in a room and Mia is forced to watch from underneath the door as books just start falling out of this bookshelf next to this baby. The baby's like, slam,
1: slam,
0: slam.
1: And then the demon will drop the doll in front of her because again they want you to be afraid of that doll, even though the doll can't do shit.
0: Yeah, it is an it drops inanimate it in front object. Of the door, so that's all she sees. Yes, yeah. it is an
1: inanimate object. Yes, it nothing. This is when she will see it. Somehow she gets the door open. This is when she will see the demon pick up the doll. And it's the most ridiculous thing.
0: He's like holding it by the neck and then his face is right you're next like, to this it. This is
1: creepy. Yeah, this, and this, you're, aren't you scared? Like,
0: you're scared, right? You're afraid of the claw. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. And I'm sitting here as an audience member and I'm just like. I should be frightened of the demon. Yeah. That's what I should be frightened of. But because he's holding the doll next to him, it is ridiculous and silly and I'm laughing now. Right. And
0: I understand, again, back to the Kulishov effect. Originally, we see the doll just stand up, which is actually kind of cool, right? The doll sits up. For about up two seconds, And then it cool. floats up and <laughs> it's like, this is kind of neat. And then they cut to a shot of the doll in the same position, but the demon holding it. And you're like, okay, you put those things together. Kuleshov effect: the demon is the one that was doing that physically, and then you, then your mind goes to, wait a minute. So the demon was like, "All right, now I'm going to sit the baby up, the doll up, and sit up. Okay, is she watching? Okay, she's watching now. All right, now I'm going to stand it up, and and then you just got a demon holding a little doll, and it's like uh-huh. this is fucking ridiculous." Uh-huh.
1: Also, then when she sees the demon, she's holding her baby at this point. She doesn't run away. She stands there and stares at it and then screams. And her scream is the most unbelievable scream of all time. I don't remember it. She's just like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) It looks ridiculous. Okay. So, her husband's like, we need to go and see the priest. (laughs) Oh, they do. No, the
0: priest comes to them.
1: Oh, does it?
0: Yes, and then the priest takes the doll.
1: Yes, I'm going to take it to a holy place. But that's if he can get there. Yes,
0: so there's this whole thing where he's driving and he's looking down at the radio, another thing the about attention. Because the radio's messing
1: up which is taken straight out of Amityville Horror.
0: Yes. Actually, yeah. No, this is very similar to that. Okay. But um You think something's going to happen, and you're just like, I'm going to be really pissed if something happens to this priest because he's looking at the fucking radio. That's not scary. That's incompetence.
1: But Um, it doesn't.
0: But nothing happens. He gets there safely with the doll, and then he carries it up the steps. And then then you're thinking
1: it's going to be an omen situation. uh
0: huh, Where something's going to (laughs) come. Lightning's going to strike, and then the pole is going to pierce right through him. No. As he approaches the door of the church, he sees Annabelle. And Annabelle, the woman... As he's carrying the doll, and she starts to come towards him, and then he goes to the front door, and then the doors burst open and send him flying.
1: Which, again, I think it's the omen. Where
0: does the... The line of holy ground? where is the line? Yes. (laughs) How did the demon get inside the church to blow the doors open and send him flying? Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I guess we just don't believe that? Well, then you need to establish that's the case.
1: Because he thought it was a holy ground where he could take it. And clearly he can't go inside. The demon doesn't want him to. So there's something holy about that land. So how did he get behind the door of it? Yeah. Where's the line?
0: Yes, exactly. Especially when it contradicts things you've already established in the movie. So you just need to explain that to us. And again, people listening... Us asking questions doesn't mean we don't have the fucking imagination to figure it out. The point is, is that the movie did a bad job of explaining it, and that's what we're pointing out. So, just, come on, stop sending us comments that, why don't you get it? We get it. It's dumb. (laughs) That's what we're pointing out.
1: Bunch of things happen. The husband ends up
0: finding out about the priest. Oh, the priest is taken to his hospital. Oh. So, So, why is the priest taken to a hospital in Pasadena when the church is in Santa Monica? <laughs> and it just happens to be the one that the John works at.
1: Yes. So, so the priest tells him they want Mia's soul. Yes. She's somehow figured out. And so John tries to call home to Mia and tell her, but of course there's Sadik on the phone, uh-huh. just like Amityville Horror.
0: Yep. She's been hanging out with Alfred Woodard again. And Alfrey Woodard tells her the story of her daughter, how she died.
1: Oh, I didn't write any of that
0: down. Alfrey Woodard was driving, and her daughter died, and she took it really hard, and she tried to kill herself. The
1: implication that she was falling asleep?
0: Something like that. It's unimportant. The point is that she holds herself responsible, and she tried to kill herself. And then as she was dying, she saw the ghost of her daughter say, Mama, it's not your time. And so she woke back up and vowed... That she would stick it out for her daughter until such a time that was designated ahead of time. And if you're starting to put two and two together, you are like, assumedly, everyone else in the audience right now. (laughs) It's becoming very, very obvious. So, what else happens?
1: But so, Mia can't hear her husband on the phone, so his warning is for naught. She gets a knock on the door and someone is turned away from her. It's very it's obviously, obviously Perez. It's the priest. Yeah, yeah the, p- the priest. And when she opens the door and tries to talk to him, he says what the demon said to him before the demon, like, pushed him down.
0: My God have mercy
1: on your soul! Why?
0: Yeah, why would a demon say that? Why
1: would a demon say that?
0: Right. Because it sounds creepy for, exactly. a, for a haunted priest to say something like it that. it
1: sounds creepy. Exactly.
0: But is it substantial? Not at all. Is it meaningful? Not at all.
1: Oh shit. This is when we'll get the most fucked up scene. And for a moment you're gonna be sitting there and just like Yeah. Oh my god. So
0: it's at some point the haunting happens. The haunting happens. Yeah. And Alfrey Woodard sees well, that even everything's happens going with the on. Priest.
1: Does he attack her? Does she fight back? No, I, don't I think even she know. closed the
0: door and he's gone or something. I don't know. <laughs> doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Alfred Woodard experiences it with her so she knows it's real, but she gets locked outside and she's banging on the door trying to get in. So, we know that the the demon is trying to take the baby, but not actually take the baby, just get somebody to think that he's going to take the baby because somebody has to give up their spirit willingly. This is what the priest tells John. They so the can't baby take the can't baby's do soul. that. So they can't take the baby's soul, so the only reason it would fuck with the baby is to get someone else to agree to give up their soul. So as he, as John comes running home, trying to trying to stop his wife, the mom goes into the baby's room to check on the baby. Mia sees the baby's not there. The fucking doll is. And it picks up the doll and starts slamming its head, which does not shatter for some reason. This is not real ceramics against the metal post of the bed. And it's bending and it's bending. And I'm like, I wrote this. I was like, oh, God. It's going to turn out that that's her actual baby, but they wouldn't do something so fucked up, right? That she slammed her baby's head and killed her own baby. And then she throws the doll into the closet. And when she looks at it, it's the baby. And the baby fucking dies in front of our eyes. It like gurgles and shit like that. We're like, oh my God, she actually killed. This movie had the fucking balls to do that? Yeah. I was impressed.
1: For about five seconds, you are... In shock, but also impressed at the same time, and you don't know what to think or do. Yeah. And And then... Then
0: she picks up the baby, and it's just a random doll. It's not even the Annabelle, in quotes, doll. It's just a random fucking doll that's the baby's size. So the baby's fucking fine. Like, God damn it.
1: Yeah. For five seconds, you're just like, holy shit, that movie did that. But no, it didn't. Uh-huh didn't do, Jack. you didn't mention that it also it had written on the walls her soul, her soul, her soul, yes. right Now it's changed from her soul to your
0: soul on the on the window,
1: so the obvious implication is that we'll give we'll let your baby live as long as we get your soul,
0: so she grabs the doll, not sure why. Yeah, that doesn't, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. It just, they just need it visually because the movie's called Annabelle and the doll's name isn't fucking Annabelle anyway. And walks into the window. John shows with, up and sees Alfrey Woodard.
1: With zero proof, audience, zero proof that the baby's fine. Yes. She has not seen the baby. She hasn't heard the baby. Well, I think they've had it crying, but you haven't seen it. For all you know, the baby's already fucking dead.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. But John shows up and sees Alfrey Woodard outside. He knocks down the door. They both run in and they're like, oh, my God, you cannot do this. Right. And I'm like, he is like three feet from her for her to turn around and jump out this window. He will have time to grab her. And that's exactly what happens. She says, "The make sure you take care of Leah, John. You know that you whole thing." You promised
1: you'd pick the baby over me. Yeah,
0: so he saves her, Guess and he's like, "Oh, good." And he tries to explain that he's there's trying got to, to take- be
1: a better yeah, way. Uh-huh. He
0: said, "He literally says there's got to be a better way," and then he says there
1: has to be another way.
0: Alfrey Woodard says, "Yes, there is another way," and she picks up the doll again for no reason and decides she needs to jump. Because she's like, this is that time that my daughter was talking about.
1: Again, people, we still don't know if the baby's okay. Yes. This could all be for nothing.
0: And then she jumps. Kills herself. And they're like, oh my god. But then everything's fine?
1: Six months later and the baby hasn't aged a day. Yep.
0: <laughs> a fucking newborn. <laughs> six months later. And it's the same exact baby. <laughs> they go to church. The Priest Perez gives them the picture that he took of Mia earlier, and she looks totally awkward in the picture. And it's like, is this supposed to mean something? Anyway, cut to...
1: The music playing, which we heard from the mobile, I think, twice in the entire film. Yeah. They play that, and then we get a close-up on the doll, which again, the
0: doll can't do anything. In a secondhand store where some woman says, oh, my daughter will love that for her birthday, meaning this is the mom of the nurse that we saw earlier in this movie and that we saw in the intro of The Conjuring. And this is the moment where she buy. So we're finally up to the point that we thought we were buying a ticket to see, which is the actual haunting Annabelle stuff. I understand why they didn't make that movie, because they already told the whole thing at the beginning of The Conjuring. Don't fucking make an Annabelle movie, is the answer to that. (laughs) So, anything else to say about this movie, Kelsey? No, I'm good. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I think I know. Okay.
1: Is it 26?
0: It's 29.
1: 29.
0: Annabelle borrows unabashedly from better horror films, content to leave viewers with a string of cheap jolts that fail to build on the far more effective The Conjuring. Metacritic, 37. Cinema score of a B. Do you think this movie is overrated or underrated?
1: Maybe a little underrated.
0: A little underrated. I'll give it a 30. I was going to give it a 40. I mean, the fact of the matter is the movie shouldn't exist.
1: It should not exist.
0: And every time you're like, oh, mm," it undermines itself. Yep. And that, like, so it's basically at neutral at that point. Every good thing it does a bad thing to offset it, and it's like at neutral mm-hmm. and then the fact that it just shouldn't fucking exist in the first place and they need to bend over backwards to fit it in this universe and make Annabelle the scary doll and all that stuff means it loses more points hmm it's a it's a it's a forty for me that's a naw for me dog
1: yeah that was a big no
0: it's a bummer it's ex- it, i mean it, I'll put it this way. The movie and the scares weren't as garbage as I expected them to be. Right. Like the reason that we haven't been watching Annabelle movies is because we thought they'd be terrible.
1: Yes. I we thought say they would be it's zero.
0: Terrible.
1: It's not a zero.
0: But it's not good.
1: Oh no. No, no, no. I'll never watch this again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason to watch this movie ever again. No. Just like we said, there's no reason for you to watch it the first time. And hopefully you took our advice. Hopefully. <laughs> it wasn't, hopefully we weren't too late. <laughs> Although
1: We've started this path and we're going to finish it eventually. Yep.
0: We're going to be Annabelle creation.
1: I'm telling you, one of them is supposedly good.
0: And Annabelle comes home, goes home. Homecoming. It's not homecoming. <laughs> but here's the thing. Why do I care how the doll was created?
1: Oh my God, you're because right.
0: Literally nothing happens until the actual Annabelle kills herself with the doll. Yeah. So why do I give a
1: Maybe we're going to learn about the hippie daughter. (laughs) That would be interesting at the very least.
0: Maybe we're going to learn that this is just a really unlucky doll and it gets haunted several times. (laughs) Who knows? We'll find out. It'll be bullshit either way. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so that is our doll episode. Another one with our classic film 1990s Child's Play 2 and our modern film 2014's Annabelle. What are we watching next week, Kelsey?
1: Next week is Father's Day. So we will be watching Creep Show.
0: I'm, I'm really surprised Kelsey put this on the list. She does not like Creep Show. I do not.
1: But it has a Father's Day segment.
0: It also has a segment full of bugs.
1: Yes. And a movie that was already on our list, but has also been recommended by Lamont. Okay. Frailty.
0: Yay. Yes,
1: Frailty is very
0: good. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen it. We enjoyed it when we watched it. I wonder if it holds up.
1: I I know it does. I've seen it several times.
0: All right. But
1: I excited for it. I mean, it's
0: from that era of the 2000s where, like, there are a lot of movies like that. I mean, it feels a lot like, you know, they're about fatherhood and they're dark and they're, like, even Frequency, which isn't a horror movie.
1: I love Frequency. Frequency
0: is incredible. It's one of those movies, Frequency is one of those movies that nobody fucking saw but everyone who did fucking loved it. And they're all talking about how like, Frequency's great! And then you talk to another person, they're like, I've never heard of that movie in my life ever. And it wasn't like it was some underground masterpiece from the 50s or whatever. No, it came out in like, what, late 90s, early 2000s? And it was in the theaters. Just nobody fucking saw it. It was weird. Completely unrelated, not a horror movie. See Frequency. It's a good movie. It's sappy as fuck, but... But it... did I
1: show you Frailty?
0: I don't think so. I think, I think
1: you hadn't seen it until I showed it to I you. I think we
0: watched it with Movie Night.
1: No. I remember distinctly I finding out that you hadn't seen it and showing it to you.
0: But who knows? I don't know. Well, we'll watch it next week. Until then, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com, and you can get a list of all of our movies there. Don't forget to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. Five-star written reviews are the biggest help. Bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? I like your dogs. I don't Buried in a bed cemetery I don't want to live my life again I don't want to be buried In a cemetery I don't want to live my life again I'm addicted to the sacred place the ain't a dream
1: Bangs to the picking up bones. Among the Wait, Tom Holland?
0: Not Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Oh, there are two. I, th- I think we talked about this in that episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> it, o- it they it just happens. One thing, that's the end of Chucky. Do you have ch- Chucky? No, their names are not John and Phyllis. That's way wrong.
1: Oh, those are the names that he wants to name their the child. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Do you want to know what their names actually are? Sure. Sharon and Pete. And it's important. Oh. Oh. Yes. We'll go ahead and tell the thing. And their names are. And then he tells her to go back. They go across the street, too. So they're already in the house by the time she gets back in.
1: You keep saying across the street.
0: Yeah, it's it. uh, my mind is just there in that place. Hold <laughs> on, let me say.
1: Why are you asking about this? This is all just a bunch of hocus pocus.
0: Yeah, uh huh. Wah, wah.
1: <laughs> You're putting it in here.
0: <laughs> what? What exactly do you want me to put in?
1: I want you to put in her line of "It's all just a bit of hocus pocus."
0: From hocus pocus. Yes. Okay. okay.
1: I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion.